5: listening to
1: Fox Sports Radio. Radio. Boom! What up,
6: America? Doug Gottlieb show, Fox Sports Radio. Coming to you from the City of Angels, where everybody's excited. Kidding about the World Series, which gets in the way tomorrow at Chavez Ravine. Uh, We'll get to that later on in the show. Uh, Tomorrow, my boy Matt Holiday checked in, said uh, he wants to come on uh, for every game. Give us a sense of what we're going to see starting pitchers Things that you should know. So you'll have uh, the insights of uh, Major League Baseball, perennial all-star, and get his thoughts on, on the series, part of the team that just lost to the Houston Astros. Here, I, I want to get to the NFL and how I compare it um, kind of to an M. Night Shyamalan movie a little bit. I'm trying to think. We'll, we'll challenge my man John Ramos, who, of course, is our resident movie expert, to try and find the other movies it reminds him of. Talk about NFL in just a second. But to anyone who thinks that uh, brands don't matter, remember: was it last week or the week before? Is it Sean Combs? Is it Puff Daddy? P Diddy? Is it Diddy? What the hell is his name now? Sean Puffy Combs? He's been all of those things. You know who I'm talking about, right? He's a music mogul, and I think he's a millionaire. I don't think he's a billionaire. I don't think it's with a B. I think it's. I think he has two commas, not three. But the bigger point is, he remember he wanted to start his own professional football league. We're like, good luck with that, because the reason it won't happen is the same reason many of you don't care nearly as much about the World Series as you would have had the Yankees beaten the Houston Astros, the Astros and and first of all, Astro fan, can you give it a, You're gonna have to give it a rest for the next two weeks. With the we always loved our team. The Astros are the first team to tank and win and compete for a championship. They tanked going back to 2013. They were remarkably bad, over 100 losses. But anyone from Houston is like, we've always been behind this team. They got a 0.0 local rating on their own network for their own games. You can put color bars up and get more people to watch their games more people to watch than watch their games back in 2013. There was willful disdain for the Houston Astros. The bigger point is this. Uh, there is no buzz about the World Series, even though the Dodgers are trying to win it for the first time since they were in it last in 88. And the Astros, most people don't even know they're in the American League, are have they ever won a World Series? Well, there you go. This is the power of brands. The Astros are a better team than the Yankees. They have better starting pitching. They have a way better lineup. Top to bottom, they're better. Could you, is Giles as, and the rest of their bullpen as dependable as the Yankees' bullpen? Probably not, but Robertson got hit. Dylan Batances is a mess. It's not, not like a Chapman hasn't been hit in a World Series before. But the, the starting pitching is so much better for the Astros. And the hitting is so much more consistent for the Astros. They have the AL MVP and they have some of the bright young players in the game. But the fact is that people don't care in comparison. I'm not saying no one cares, but had had the Dodgers been playing the Yankees, that's all anybody talk about. The history of it, two marquee franchises, one former New York team, the the greatest New York team. And this is where I I... I Look, I moved to California, back to California from New York. And, yes, New Yorkers do think that the, the Earth and solar system revolves around the island of Manhattan. But in some ways, it's true. Because the power of the brand of the New York Yankees is that, is, is that strong. 27 titles, an iconic logo, an iconic stadium, an iconic brand. And with them not in it, it's just a, another series that, wait, isn't this an NL West game? Yeah, Astros used to be in the Dodgers division. So, too, the Braves and the Cincinnati Reds. Can't explain the past in baseball. Don't want to. I want to get to the NFL. Because here's what it feels like. Here's what it feels like. A lot of something that I don't know exactly what it is. Right? Like, I walked in today and I said to Ryan Music, and he he offered up a pretty good response. Are the Patriots good now or are the Falcons awful? Uh, that was a hard one. Um, are the Broncos bad now? And the Chargers good now? I don't really know. I mean, like, look, I know the Giants stink. I know that. They have no wide receivers. Last week was the exception. What happened this week to Seattle is the rule. I know the Browns are terrible. I don't need to be told that. I picked for Yas four and one of my NFL picks, much better than my college football picks. 4-1 my NFL picks, and the easiest one to me was the Dallas Cowboys over the San Francisco 49ers. Cowboys were starting against C.J. Beathard. Ever heard of him? Probably not. Played at Iowa. Okay? They had, they had over a week off with the bye week, and they got Sean Lee back. That was the easiest pick in the history of mankind. It was that simple. And I know the Cowboys are pretty good. They play against a tougher schedule. But the rest of it, like, I'm not— I mean, I guess the Steelers have figured it out, but they still have infighting. I guess the, the Seahawks are kind of figuring it out, but they have infighting. I can kind of tell that the Eagles are pretty good, but do I think they're great? I, I'm still, I'm sure they'll win tonight and maybe prove to me partially wrong. I, I kind of feel like I'm watching a movie to which it's not great right now. Um, Maybe there's, I, I thought of, M. Night Shyamalan, maybe it's more Tarantino, right? Like the Tarantino where you have different scenes cut out of order, but you know at the end it's going to come together. Like you knew the Packers weren't going to really be any good once they lost Aaron Rodgers because he's carried that team and it only, I mean, if I'm Aaron Rodgers, I go in tomorrow and ask for a raise. I mean, he's going to get a new contract anyway. Now he makes his point even more clear. But like the Saints aren't great. I guess the Vikings are good, but they, they're, they're winning without Stephon Diggs. They're winning without one of their two starting quarterbacks. Like, there's a lot of stuff that was just, like, stuff. Is Cam Newton bad now? Like, I know he's inconsistent, but now is he more, he's actually getting more consistent, but consistently not good. Everybody says Cam Newton's inconsistent. I, I disagree. I think he is consistent. Consistently inaccurate consistently below par, consistently bad. So, I mean, look, I don't know exactly what we have. I know it's going to come together really well. I know it's going to be super competitive. Like, Who's the best team in the AFC West? Chiefs have lost two in a row, including losing to the Oakland Raiders. Who is it? So I feel like it's one of those movies, and I'll call on John Ramos to kind of maybe give me his thoughts on what movie it is, where there's just a bunch of scenes to where you make up a bunch of opinions, and you don't know if they're true, but you do know the final scene will answer all the questions, right? like, oh, you know what it's a little bit like, Ramos? What's that? It's a little bit like, um, what was the last, Rogue One? Rogue One, a Star Wars story. There's a little bit of Rogue One to it, right? A little bit because, look, remember Rogue One, it starts to different planets, and it kind of all, and then at the, by the end, it all comes together, and to which you're like, oh, I know where we were at the start, and I know what it leads to at the end, it leads you right to the original Star Wars New Hope, episode four, right? That's correct. Right? It, like, perfect order, like, oh, they kind of wrapped it up in a bow, you're like, all right, I I, I probably didn't like that everybody died, but- <laughs> Spoiler alert. Outside, spoiler alert, but outside of that, it was very, very enjoyable- but I didn't really know what to make of it for a long time. Your thoughts, uh, oh, movie connoisseur, John Ramos.
0: My thoughts on. Like the Rams are good. Like, yes. Am I willing to yes. say the Rams are great? Yes, you should. No, not great.
6: Okay. Right. That's what I'm, like the Rams are like Mike March. Have a Coke, a smile and shut the bleep up. Right. <laughs> like Sean McVay's done an awesome job. He has. They're a good football team. They've surrounded. They have a good kicking game. They, their defense is improving. Their offense is diverse. Their quarterback's pretty good. Do I think that the? Do I get a bet on them to win a Super Bowl? No, I am not. And the Cardinals aren't very good. They they're haven't old. been very good. They're old. And then Carson Palmer broke his arm yesterday. Didn't help. And so they're going against Drew Stanton. So all of those things. Um. So like, look, it's a lot of something, and I do know at the end. Every, everybody but one team will end on, you know, all the playoff teams will end on a loss except for one team. I know I like it's the old everybody dies. I know we'll, we'll end up with one champion. But the how we get there is unique and weird, but I think it's going to end up being pretty good. But I don't really know what to make of it. I know we're supposed to have these strong statements like, oh, okay, Cam Newton. He's consistent, consistently bad. There's one. The Falcons, Steve Sarkeesian, that's not going to work. Okay. That's one of those things which it's not going to work. You're walking, they're walking, this is, you ever been to a wedding like that? Where they walk down the aisle and you turn, you go like six months. No, come on. Don't tell <laughs> me you haven't been there. <laughs> I mean, she just got off the stripper pole. You know, he just got, he just got off of Vicodin. And you're like, mm, six months, six months. That's Steve Sarkeesian. And I apologize. I didn't mean to make the Sarkeesian and Vicodin reference, whatever he was. I just meant that that dog won't hunt. That ain't working. Like we kind of know the Steelers, the Patriots, they're going to be around. In the NFC, it's probably going to be the Cowboys, right? Um I don't really know who's coming out of the NFC South, but I guess maybe it's the Saints just cuz they had the best quarterback. I don't know. I mean, don't know what to make the NFC North, NFC West. Guess it's the I guess the Seahawks and the Rams. We always thought that if the Rams ever got an offense, they'd compete with the Seahawks, and the Seahawks don't have much of an offense, but they have a really good quarterback and they make some enough plays. Yes, Ryan Music.
3: Have
5: you seen Memento? I have seen Memento. It's kind of like Memento. The only problem with Memento is at the end, you still don't really know what's going on, so it doesn't compare quite the same.
6: Memento's in backwards order, though, isn't it?
5: Well, no, it's it's both. It's like half and half. Half of it's playing in chronological order and then the other half is playing backwards, and then the end of the movie, they meet at the middle. Is that what it is? Yeah.
6: Okay, I have to go back and watch it.
5: But that's sort of how the NFL is right now. Like, you, you kind of understand what's going on. I kind of see but some but patterns, building. Like, I'm like,
6: all right, all right, all right. I mean, and then every once in mean, a while,
5: something happens, and you're just like, okay, now I'm lost.
6: Yes, I'm totally lost. What just happened? What? Wait, what? How did that happen? That was when the Giants lost to the Broncos last week. That what was, happened? That was that, was that one. And
5: then they right. get blown out by the Seahawks and you're like, okay, so yeah, the
6: Giants are bad. Giants are bad. We're 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 good with John Shabbat, John Shabbat. I mean, the Tennessee Titans probably should have lost to the Browns. I, <laughs> I have a tough time. I don't like a win is a win, but that was a yucky win. That was that was when you're like, Yeah, yeah, we we, we hey That's one of those ones that if you're in Nashville right now and you run into a Titan, you go like, Hey, I, I didn't see a score. How'd you guys do this week? You're like, well, we won. We beat the Browns. You did? Oh, congrats. Like, how was what's the score? Like, 9-6 of overtime. Those,
5: that's one of those things like in hockey, if you lose in overtime, they give you a tie. Yeah. That that win for the Titans should actually count it as a tie. tie. I like that. Like the Browns but get a loss, it's not but a bad, the Titans it's get a not, tie.
6: It's not a That's not a bad suggestion. It's not a bad suggestion. All right, there's a, a way to correctly apologize. Listen, Ryan Music's not married. He's only been with his girl, what, a year now? Yeah, a little over a year. A little over a year. We'll find out if, uh, if he knows, because... Ramos and I have been married collectively, what, like 35 years?
0: Something like that. Yeah, yeah I'm, 30, I'm 18. Yeah, I'm 17. So yeah.
6: 35 years collectively we've been married. So the one thing that married men know how to do, it's apologize. We apologize for Too stuff much. we didn't even do. Right? <laughs> Too much apologize. It's <laughs> just like, you wake up and go, sorry, what's, what for? I don't know. I'm going to do something today that's going to piss you off, and I'm sorry. Anyway, there's a correct way to apologize. And one NFL and, I don't know, Star, really good player. Has nailed it in terms of the apology. Nailed it. Right. That upcoming next. But first, you already know how much I love Dollar Shave Club's razors. But did you know they have so much more? Personal grooming products for your hair, face, skin, shower, everything for your bathroom needs. When you're at the store, you're shopping around, you got to go here, you got to there. There's so many choices. You don't know if it's really good stuff. Forget all that. Okay, forget having to ask clerks for questions. Just ask me and I'll tell you. I use Dollar Shave Club. Their razors, their body cleanser, their um, uh, hair clay, the butt wipes. DSC, Dollar Shave Club, has you covered head to toe. It's all super high quality. And right now you can try it all and get their first month starter set for just $5. $5. It includes a travel size shave butter. That's like shave cream, only it's like makes your face feel so silky smooth. Body cleanser, butt wipes and a month of their best razor. After that, replacement cartridges ship for just a few bucks a month. Don't miss out. Get your starter set for just $5 today exclusively at dollarshaveclubcom Gottlieb. That's dollarshaveclubcom Gottlieb. At Farmers, we know a thing or two because we've seen a thing or two. Like how to help so you can make sure you're ready for some of life's unexpected hazards. Stay ahead of the game with tips from a knowledgeable pro at farmers.com. We
0: are farmers.
6: Bum, Doug Gottlieb show Fox Sports Radio. Um, we talk about things we know, we don't know. I told you guys to start the year. Do you remember music? What I said? Um, what I said about the Indianapolis Colts going back before the season began?
5: That they may have the worst roster top to bottom, especially if Andrew Luck was going to be out for an extended period of time.
6: Yep, yep. That's exactly what I said. I just like the the if you watch. Uh, If you watch enough preseason football, a lot of people will say, well, I watch preseason football and I I can't tell. Right. I can't tell who's good and who's not good. And um, I could tell you that having watched them against the Dallas Cowboys, they are just like, oh, those guys are good. Or at least those guys are far better than the other guys." And that's played out as such on the football field. Luck still hasn't played and it's looking more and more like he probably shouldn't play. I'll also say this. I've heard Cowherd, Colin Cowherd talk about, well, this is all part of a master plan from Chris Ballard. Don't play him and then trade the pick and, you, um, and trade the pick. And when you trade the pick, now you can surround Andrew Luck with proper talent. I heard Bucky Brooks come on Colin Cowherd's show. This is like an hour ago. And he said, you should trade Andrew Luck. Basically saying he thought Andrew Luck was Still highly valued by everybody else in the NFL. Really not as good as uh, you'd be led to believe based upon the hype. And you could get a king's ransom for him. Uh, I completely disagree with Bucky Brooks. And the idea is this. You got a dude. Now, is he going to be John Elway? I don't know. But I think it's fair to conclude that when he's right health-wise, He's a top ten, top fifteen quarterback. I think he's better than that, but at minimum, if he's right health wise, top ten, top. And once you have one of those guys, you are far better off holding on to that than you are trading and trying to draft a guy who you who you might know, right? It's the devil you know versus the devil you do not. So yesterday, after a frustrating game which they're beaten twenty seven nothing by the Jacksonville Jaguars, T. Y. Hilton. There, I don't use the term star. T. Y. Hilton is not a star in this league. Do you know who T.Y. Hilton is? You do. You know him because you didn't hear of him, then you did hear of him. And he has the T.Y. touchdown thing where he does the initials, which is cool. Is he a top 20 wide receiver in this league? He is not. Well, he's not he's not bad. He's our best wide receiver. Game went
7: poorly. He said this. Who's winning our matchup? The O-line just got to play better. Uh, for, as far as receiver, nothing could change. We got to uh, take some pride up front and, you know, block for him, you know. What if we put them back there and take those hits? So we gotta start up front, man. Once we get a the old line going back in rhythm, we'll be fine. All
6: right, so he he said nothing about the wide receivers. We can't we don't have to do anything better. This thing starts up front. Now, in fairness, he didn't call it his quarterback, didn't call it his coach, but call out your boys like that, the big fellas. Here's TY apologizing.
7: First and foremost, a lot of apologize to the team and the O line. You know, it was out of character. I'm frustrated, you know, how the game went. But at the end of the day, man, I got their back, you know. I love them to death. And, you know, I was wrong, you know. I'm always against that, and then I go out there and do it. Yeah, I was just frustrated, man. At the end of the day, you know, just want to win. But at the end of the day, I just can't do that. Um, so, for me, I just got to go out there you know, just just play play my game, you know. And, you know, just have, have each other back at the same time.
6: He said, I'm always against that. I go out there and do it. 100% I messed up. All me. I'm sorry for that. I'm a leader, and those guys look up to me. I kind of stabbed them in the back, and I approached them. I'll approach them individually, one-on-one, let them know that I was 100% dead-ass wrong. Now, he didn't kind of stab in the back. He did stab in the back. And that's like, you can't be kind of pregnant, right? But for the most part, like, you hear, I, uh, uh, end of the day, I got their back. I love them to death. I was, you hear, I was wrong. 100% I messed up. All me. I'm sorry. I'm a leader. I kind of stabbed them in the back. I'll go up to them one on one. I'm one on one. That's a good apology, especially from a dude. Hey, that's all. All me. So, um, Ramos, you're as as a an eighteen year eighteen year apologist. I mean, you've been married eighteen years. That was a good enough apology, right? That was yeah. What's the key to a good apology at home?
0: For me, or just in general? For you. Uh, to be very, as sincere as I can about right. it. Right. You gotta be
6: sincere. Yeah. But sincere is a big, sincere, you gotta, and so do you have, are there any code words you use to show sincerity?
0: Uh, just like, uh, I would say, I would say something like, you know, honey, I'm, I'm sorry. It, it was my bad. I should have thought about that beforehand. I understand where you're coming from.
6: Right. He actually says this every day, so it, <laughs> it sounds really good. It's because I, I just, you just, you hit the classic apology, right? Right. Music, how's your apology game going? When when your, when your girlfriend invited you on a free trip to Hawaii for a second consecutive year, and she got super mad at you because you're like, I don't know, which she took to mean, what do you mean? We're not going to be together next year this time? And you had to apologize. How'd you do it?
5: Uh, I, I'm uh, sorry. I, I, I I'm, I'm trying to stutter think back. If you some, cannot
6: stutter. This oh, is a big thing. Oh, I,
5: you want me to reenact the apology? Um,
6: eye contact is huge. Oh, eye yeah, contact.
5: absolutely. Eye uh, contact. Eye contact got, right? to do, got to do eye contact. Yep. And you got to just take the entire blame. Right. Just that's on, all on me. Yeah. Like I, I should have known. I should have known that this was something that you were already thinking about. I should have already been thinking about this. I'm sorry. My answer is yes. I was completely wrong. I'm so thankful to be with you and to go on this trip again. Just take all the blame. Yeah. Explain how you can see it from their perspective, and why that now allows you to realize how wrong you were.
6: Okay, here's a here's a couple. I'll give you a couple of. I hope my wife's not listening. Um, here's a, here's a couple of key key words here. Okay, you know after here's a, here's a good word after reflecting upon it. That's it because you didn't you're not seeing it from their perspective. You really reflected upon your own actions, right? After reflecting upon it, I I I hear you. I, I hear you. I hear the frustration in your voice. So I, I hear you, reflection, um, and listen, I, I am completely to blame. That is completely on me, even though we know most of the time it's their fault, right? But you got to go, I'm completely wrong because T.Y. Hilton is probably 100% dead ass right. Their offensive line is, in fact, a joke. And they do have to be better up front if they want to give a young quarterback a chance to see the wide receivers being open. Like, that's the whole thing. This is the lesson, boys and girls, especially boys, that most of the time they're wrong. And, yes, women are crazy. And they are. They're crazy. They're crazy. Okay, But you I've, I've yet to see it's, re- you, it's really hard without the help of a doctor. You cannot procreate without them. Right. And the world is better when you have one than when you don't. Um, and so in order to have one, you have to understand you're going to have to apologize far more often than she will. And you have to use eye contact. And occasionally if you want to look down, right, if you can well up a little bit, you know, not, not tears, but just what, just give that eye contact. Look, look down at the feet to lack confidence upon reflection. I'm completely to blame. I mean, heck, you can even just go happy Gilmore. I'm
4: stupid. You're smart. I was wrong. You were right. You're the best. I'm the worst. Uh, You're very good looking. I'm not attractive.
8: All right. As long as you're willing to admit that.
6: There we go. That's an apology. T.Y. Hilton, congratulations. All right, a man who's only been apologizing now for a couple months. Let's bring in Dan Byer.
9: When I do something wrong, Doug, I'll let you know how it goes. Ooh. Oh, very
0: nice. There we go. Yeah. Take it.
9: <laughs> oh, jeez. Oh, uh, speaking of doing something wrong, the uh, Cleveland Browns have been doing that a lot lately, and they've even got... More bad news to go with it. Joe Thomas is going to miss the rest of the season, an MRI confirming a torn triceps muscle, so the all-pro tackle is done for the season. Says he doesn't know what he's going to do yet for 2018. Week 7 wraps up tonight with the Redskins and Eagles at 8.30 Eastern time. Redskins have the Cowboys coming up in Week 8, and Washington's going to have to face Cowboys running back Ezekiel Elliott because Elliott will be allowed to play in that game as the NFL's request for an expedited preliminary injunction hearing was denied, so the six-game ban remains on hold. Cowboys won't have kicker Dan Bailey for that game. Going to miss several weeks of action because of a groin injury, that's according to the NFL Network. Well, Dwayne Brown went back to work after holding out the first six games of the season for the Houston Texans. The left tackle was back at work today. Texans take on the Seahawks coming up in week eight. No word if Brown's going to be ready for that game. The Dolphins have the Ravens on a Thursday night matchup. Head coach Adam Gase says he expects Matt Moore to get the start in that game because Jay Cutler has cracked ribs. In the NBA, Suns guard Eric Bledsoe sent home by the team after a meeting today. Phoenix engaging in talks to trade the point guard, according to ESPN. And finally, Doug, Cavs guard Derek Rose. Injured again. Going to miss the next two games because of a sprained ankle. Suffered Friday against the Milwaukee Bucks. In
6: the least, in the, uh, what is it, the. Um, uh, least shocking news. In the, the least shocking news of the weekend, right? Derrick Rose is hurt. Right? So, which means Derrick Rose gets to, for the next couple games, gets to wear his Derrick Rose playoff uniform, which. Oh. You're, you're, oh, you're aware. You're aware of the Derrick Rose uh, playoff uniform, aren't you? <laughs> You are. Yes. Hey, um, Dan, uh, you've been around long enough. Do you remember when Columbia was the worst college football team anybody had ever seen? You remember that?
9: Yes, because the NFL today would always have like their rankings. From, That's like, exactly what yes.
6: Busberger used to host the NFL today. And they used to... They,
9: Northwestern uh, and Columbia were like the, the big stories. And then Columbia got a win once. And it was like on their top five of the college football rankings. And they would always put like Columbia fifth or if Northwestern did something good. They'd be fifth. Or and then
6: like. in the mid-90s, they got off to a 6-0 and start. And obviously they turned that thing around. Well, it, it's happening. I appreciate, appreciate all that, that info, Dan. Um, and now they're back off to another 6-0 and start. After beating Dartmouth, Columbia, the Lions... That play, of course, their home on the island of Manhattan. If you ever been to Columbia, it's obviously obviously Ivy League school. But um, w- when you go to Columbia, you walk in. It's almost like going back in time. You feel like you're you kind of feel like you're in Washington, D.C. You feel like you're in a different. You're in like a time warp. All the beautiful buildings with columns. And it's incredible. Uh, Al Bagnoli is their head coach. He joins us now on the Doug Gottlieb Show here on Fox Sports Radio. Coach, how are you? I am
3: fine, Doug. How about yourself? It,
6: it, I'm, I'm well. Isn't that amazing? How many of us, like, I, like I'm child of the '80s, mm-hmm. we remember the the losing streak more so than anything else about Columbia football.
3: Yeah, no, that's I, I've heard that quite a bit. So
6: I, I tend to concur. How have you done this? How have you how have you built in this juggernaut in the in the Ivy League, which is very difficult well, to do.
3: Well, again, it's it's not just a reflection of a. Five or six games from this season, it's it, you know it goes back to when we took over, you know a little over two years ago. So this has been the culmination of two plus years of hard work, you know not only by our team, you know but by our staff, everybody concerned with Columbia football, and you know just we're finally starting to see the the fruits of our labor, you know two plus years later, and so we're excited where we are, and you know we think we have the potential to sustain it for. You know, not only this year, but next. But this has really been a reward for lots of efforts on a lot of different people.
6: I remember coaches talking about two years ago, two years ago, they also had a bad losing streak, 24 game losing streak. Of course, he takes Mm -hmm. over. And now one of the things you've done is you guys are playing tempo, tempo football. Uh, Did you bring it to the Ivy League? Were other people trying the the tempo game as as you guys are averaging 30 a game? yeah
3: I think you know Princeton was kind of ahead of its time, you know Harvard is done. We did a little bit when I was at Penn. We got in and out of it like we're doing here you know we we think it makes sense uh, just to, it kind of gives you some advantages and it spreads the field out a little bit and allows some skilled kids some space to operate in so for us it it, it makes perfect sense to run, but we certainly were not the innovators of it and you know, believe it or not, Chip Kelly actually used to work here, speaking of spread and, and quick offenses. So he was actually an assistant here a um, while back. So, so so Chip has had his imprint in college football, but got his start here.
6: One of the things you've done, Al Bagnoi, joining us, Columbia is 6-0, and fresh off their win, 22-17 over Dartmouth. Uh, that's the first win, clinching the first winning season since 1996. He joins us here on the Doug Gottlieb Show, Fox Sports Radio. One of the things you've tried to employ upon your players is, hey, uh, we want to play hard, we want to play well, but we want to have fun at practice. How do you do that? Because you don't have them for a long period of time. And, you know, like part of becoming a good football player, a good football team, a lot of that stuff is not fun. There is some monotony, especially to the fundamentals of being a good football player and team. How do you do that? Well, again,
3: I I, I think yeah, you have to liven things up a little bit. You know, we play music all the time. You know, we allow kids, you know, to to, to have some some laughs during the course of practice, but the kids have done a really good job of when it's time to go to work, actually going to work. And so, you know, they've they've really have set the bar and the standards of what we're looking for in terms of preparation and, and everything else. But, you know, we wanted to surround them with people that were enthusiastic about football, enjoyed being out there with them, loved the learning environment that we were trying to create, and then just, you know, always found a moment to try to keep things a little bit loose and a little bit lively and, you know, just a little bit relaxed for them. So didn't feel like it was work all the
6: time. You know, one of the things, that the challenges of the Ivy League, and you're not the only Ivy League coach, obviously, that deals with it, is you have to find the balance between academics and football. How do you do it?
3: Well, again, I, I think that's a constant battle for all eight schools here because our, our kids are taking the exact same courses that everybody else has taken. And our, our kids are exceptionally bright, but they're surrounded by people who are also exceptionally bright. So you need kids that are really competitive. You know, they're, they're competitive in the classroom as much as they're competitive in the weight room, as much as they're competitive on the practice field or during a game. So you need a very unique individual. And it's remarkable what our kids, our student athletes can accomplish. And so that to me is, is is just just a tremendous byproduct of working in this league when you see how accomplished the kids that we get are, how hard they work in football, but also how hard they work in academics and how they also find time to kind of give back to campus and society and the area and the city and everything else. So. Very, very impressive kid, Doug.
6: Al Bagnoli joining us in the Doug Gottlieb Show. You use SEAL techniques, right, in the in the preseason? You do, do some, you, you have them go train. I know a lot of basketball teams have done this. You guys do some SEAL yeah. stuff to toughen them up? Yeah, we,
3: we brought in uh, something called a program, which is really by the Navy SEALs. And they were terrific, you know, just with a lot of emphasis on what we've been talking about, but but it came from a different voice about, you know, attention to detail and counting on your your teammate and you know just the whole team structure and everything else and they did an awesome two-day presentation for us and I think that really gave us some momentum heading into spring football which then we carried heading into preseason, and then obviously now into the season so uh, I, I can't say enough good things about what they instilled in our kids and how our kids kind of Put those values to use even today.
6: You know what's what's most impressive about those of us paying attention to your club is um, you, as as I've been told, and I, like I was brought up. My dad was a college coach, a high school coach, and of course, I played for a couple of great coaches. All coaches say the same thing: the hardest thing to do. You can teach fundamentals every day, you can put in the right position, but teaching a team how to win, especially one that's had a losing culture, you guys not only have to turn around with a six and zero start but almost all of your wins have been really close games. I mean, the Wagner win yeah. was a three-point game, the yeah. Princeton win, uh, overtime with Penn, even the Dartmouth win. And I know you got Yale and, uh, Yale and Harvard and Cornell back-to-back-to-back. To back to back. Um, what, what, what to you has allowed that culture to change, to which when you get to the end of a close game, your players believe they're going to win instead of that losing mentality of something's going to go wrong?
3: Yeah, I think it started off with their preparation, And, you know, we have a tremendous coaching staff, you know, who should get a lot more credit for this than what they're getting. But we surrounded them with really good people. And so people that care about them as kids as well as athletes. And I think our kids have really understood how to prepare and how to trust each other and how to trust the coaches. And so when they get into these critical situations, you know, it's been pretty much rehearsed in practice They've had confidence in what people have told them. They have trust in their coaches who've guided them through this, and they're able to relax and kind of push their way through it. But it kind of all goes back to the work ethic, the preparation, and the trust that you need to build because – You're right, though. We've had some really close games. Uh, The Wagner last-second field goal, the minute-and-twenty-second left pass to go on top of Princeton, overtime touchdown pass against Penn, and then we had to sack the quarterback last week with 16 seconds left to ice that game. So it's been done a lot of different ways, kick game, offense, defense, but I think the the people in our program now believe in themselves – and just as importantly, believe in the coaches and believe in their teammates.
6: All right. Uh, the, the big question that I, I, I when I was when I knew you were going to come on with this, mm. I wanted to look up the. didn't wait. Like, weren't you at Penn and didn't you retire yeah. for like 13 <laughs> weeks? And I and I read the Philadelphia Inquirer story and they had and they had they had winners and losers in your move to Columbia. And let me read this for you. This is Al Bagnoli joining us. He he was the coach at Penn. He retired. And then he took over 13 weeks later at Columbia. So at, at 62, he took a worse job. How is that better? If Bagnoli, who won nine outright uh, league titles in 23 seasons at Penn, won a rebuilding job, there was one to be done at Franklin Field. Of course, that's where the Quakers actually, actually played, uh, instead of against Columbia. So... Why, why, why did you do this? Why did you do this to yourself? <laughs> Sometimes I ask myself
3: the same question.
6: Uh, but, you know, I, I
3: wanted to try administration. And after 23 years, you know, having a great experience at Penn and, and just dealing with some wonderful kids and wonderful alumni and administrators, you know, I, I, I wanted to transition into something potentially different. And so... I tried administration, and and I didn't count the days, but they told me it was 92 days. So they told me, and I just didn't find it to be what I thought it was going to be. And so when the Columbia opportunity kind of came forth, I thought what greater challenge there is. I knew about them from being in the league. I kind of saw them a little bit differently than some other people because to me, I, I think it's a tremendous product. I, I think it's an unbelievable academic school. It's part of the elite of the elite, even within our league. And out its backyard is you know, probably the preeminent city in the United States. And then when I saw how much they've invested in facilities and, and upgrades and all that, and how much everybody wanted to really try to win, I thought this would be a, a tremendous challenge as well as an opportunity.
6: All right, so what happens if you guys go undefeated? <laughs> I have no
3: idea. I'm worried about this week. All right. Uh, you're starting to sound like our alums now. No, you know? I just I – like, like you, so you guys, do you, guys,
6: you guys play for the FBS championship or do you guys just go, hey, we're undefeated and that's, that's it. We won the Ivy League. Yeah,
3: well we, well, we can't play in postseason. That, that was the problem. I had some terrific Penn teams back in the day that won the championship, and there's been some terrific teams at Harvard or Princeton or Dartmouth or, you know, wherever you're talking about. And we have caused some damage in the playoffs. We're just not allowed to go. So it's kind of, you know, all your sights are set on just trying to win a championship.
6: All right. Well, Brown's next. You can turn this thing around. You can turn Brown around next, Doug. Uh, Coach, <laughs> we, we sure appreciate you joining us. All right, uh, thanks, ha- Yale and Harvard back-to-back not a lot of fun, but we wish you no. the best of luck. Thanks,
3: Doug. I appreciate it. All right, thanks very much.
6: Al, ba- thanks. Al Bagnoli joining us in the Doug Gottlieb Show. That's crazy, right? You're you're like, eh, I'll go pick the worst shop in the league and then I'll go win there. Sure. Sure. That brought to you by TrueCard. You can find out what other people in your area paid for the same car you're looking for. New or used, visit TrueCard. Enjoy a more confident car buying experience. Uh, out at a bar until 1 a.m. in the morning, day before a game. Big deal, little deal, no deal. I'll tell you next. With True Car, you can find out what other people in your area paid for the same car you're looking for. New or used, visit True Car to enjoy a more confident car-buying experience. Doug Gottlieb Show, Fox Sports Radio. Uh, game time is brought to you by Dollar Shave Club. Don't let the name fool you. Dollar Shave Club has way more than just razors. Try their first month starter set, travel-size shave butter, body cleanser, butt wipes, and an executive razor all for just $5. After that, replacement cartridges ship for just a few bucks a month. Get yours at dollarshaveclub.com. Slash Gottlieb. <laughs>
2: This is Game Time.
9: It's Game Time.
6: On the Doug Gottlieb Show. Bayer. Dan Bayer, what do you got, my friend? Today, we have got... Big deal, little
9: deal... No deal. All right. A lot of NFL action today. Let's start with this. Big deal, little deal, or no deal, Doug, that Browns rookie quarterback, Deshaun Kaiser, was out at a bar until 1 o'clock Saturday morning, less than 48 hours before returning as the team's starting quarterback in their week seven game against the Tennessee Titans. That's a big deal.
6: That's a big deal. Like, it's a big, it's probably a big thing for anybody to be out the night before a game. For a quarterback to be out, it's especially a big deal. For a rookie quarterback to be out, now you're just an idiot especially like hey dude a lot of a lot of what how the reaction to is who came before you remember the temperature of the place like there there are jobs you want to take because the guy before you was a jerk or the guy before you was lazy the guy before you was had other things on his mind you take those jobs whereas when you're following a guy who everybody loved well that's really hard he's following essentially Johnny Menzel right <laughs> yeah. Okay, you're following Johnny Manziel. If you just mind your P's and Q's, show up on time, show up early, you'll be fine. But this is why, this is why Deshaun Kaiser is viewed as such by the NFL.
9: Just don't show up hungover like Johnny Manziel. That's all you got to do. Um, Deshaun Kaiser having some. Uh fun, at least off the field. Big deal, little deal or no deal, Doug, that Patriots head coach Bill Belichick may not be able to watch fourth quarter film from last night's win over the Falcons because of the fog. Yeah, he said that the film is basically a whiteout since cameras were atop the stadium last night.
6: I love that they were using the uh, spider cam. Uh, oh, yeah. yeah. I, mean, I, I like that. I've actually suggested that to uh, some TV producers to use that more, especially when you have quarterbacks or like my guy Adam Archuleta, who does games on CBS. Give the spider cam on the other side to show what the defense like, what a safety would see, mm-hmm. seeing as that's where he played in the NFL. Uh, but the whole game, it's it's so jarring. It's so different. It could be a lot. That was the most fog I've seen since that uh, playoff game between the Eagles and the Bears. The Bears won that 20-12. to
9: Big deal, little deal, or no deal that the NFL made it official yesterday by naming Justin Timberlake as the Pepsi halftime performer for Super Bowl 52.
6: That's a big deal. Justin Timberlake's the GOAT, dude he can sing he can dance he can rap he can act and he's married to a beautiful woman like Justin Timberlake. is there anything he cannot do I know uh, what he can't
9: do anymore that's take Janet Jackson's you know top off her breast that, th-
6: yes. that can't happen anymore now her nipple was covered it's just very important to like we all freaked out over her, her nipple was covered I mean I, again it was inappropriate but her nipple was covered so I mean fair point. It was covered it's covered I'm excited to Jt like that's a halftime show I can get behind
1: game, huh? Game this is game time on the Doug Gottlieb Show. I mean, like, look,
6: Leo never got married, so Leo, but Leo, and Leo's a great actor, but he can't rap, well, I don't think he can dance, and he definitely can't sing the way that Justin Timberlake is. So I'm going to go Timberlake with the GOAT, guy I'd most want to be, actually. There are two teams in the NFL that might be in the Super Bowl, and they might blow up their teams. We'll discuss them next. What up, Doug Gottlieb? Show Fox Sports Radio. Doom, 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 doom. So much to get to today after an interesting weekend in the NFL, exciting weekend, I guess, in college football. Saturday night was should have been sports nirvana, should have been sports nirvana. You had Game Seven of the ALCS. You had Penn State taking on Michigan. You had USC taking on. Notre Dame. Um, and uh, there's something else that was on uh, Saturday night. There's some NBA hoops that was on as well. God, what else was on on Saturday night? There was those three. Uh, oh, and Oklahoma versus Kansas State. Oklahoma came back to beat Kansas State. And actually, Oklahoma-Kansas State became, like, the most interesting of the games. But, uh, boy, USC looked bad. And Michigan fell apart. And just like we all thought, it was the Houston Astros bullpen, right? Lance McCullers comes in and throws 24 straight curveballs. I love that. Throws 24 straight curveballs. And um, the Astros put away the Yankees, leading us to tomorrow night's World Series. Anthony Heron will join us next hour. We'll get his thoughts on... uh, what's gone wrong for usc and who's really any good in the pack in the in the big 10 it feels like penn state ohio state this saturday at the shoe kind of feels like what i said before about the big 12 you're going to end up ohio state beating penn state right then ohio state's going to take on wisconsin and maybe they lose to wisconsin in the big 10 championship game or maybe michigan beats wisconsin so they've all have one loss knowing penn state's probably the best team But going to be fascinating to see if the Big Ten can get two teams in the college football playoff. Alabama continues to thump people. Georgia did not play, so they remain undefeated. Don't know what to make of the Pac-12 conference. And, of course, the Big 12, you got Oklahoma and Oklahoma State Uh, will face each other next week, but each has a very tough game this week. Oklahoma's got TCU, and Oklahoma State travels to Morgantown to take on West Virginia. So we got a lot of stuff going on. So... The Seahawks won 24-7 yesterday. And what was the final? I don't even remember what the final score of the Steelers game was. Byer, Byer, do you remember what the final score was? 29-14. 29-14. They're playing the Cincinnati Bengals. And uh, that was actually one of my picks of the game. But during the Seahawks game, there was a little bit of a sideline kerfuffle with Doug Baldwin and the offense. It felt like the offensive coordinator. And there was some arguing because they weren't scoring. They weren't protecting Russell Wilson, and he wasn't getting the ball very early on. And between that, their inability to run the football, and then I, I watched the Steelers, and now Martavis Bryant supposedly wants to be traded here. A guy has been suspended for parts of the past two seasons because of uh, violations of the league's substance abuse policy. You go back a couple weeks ago, Antonio Brown getting mad he didn't get the football. Le'Veon Bell finally gets the ball. Everybody else unhappy, and I don't know, you watch these two teams, and between Ben Roethlisberger and the retirement talk, Antonio Brown not being happy, Le'Veon Bell not getting the ball enough, but him being unhappy with his contract. Um, Doug Baldwin throwing a hissy fit. The lack of offensive line protection for Russell Wilson. Russell Wilson's never really gotten along with the guys on the defensive side of the ball. The defensive side of the guy, get the defense side of the ball guys are super super opinionated. I don't know, it just feels like here's two teams that could legitimately meet for a uh, to win a Super Bowl, right? And yet it also feels like both these teams are going to blow up their rosters before next season. Feel like that to anybody else? It's like, yep, we're going to get all we can out of this current group, but this is not exactly kumbaya it's probably going to go to hell in a handbasket. But if it doesn't, we'll just ride it out, and then we're going to fix things in the offseason. Bayer, you're a Seahawks fan. I'm not the only one who thinks that, am I?
9: You know, I look at the two teams that you put, and I think that Pittsburgh is most likely to change. What we have seen from, at least with personnel on the field, I think that the Seahawks likely will still keep this core together. There could be changes at offensive coordinator or Tom Cable as their offensive line coach. That could be something that they could look at if things don't improve throughout the season. But Pittsburgh, you've got Ben talking retirement. You've talked about Martavis Bryant's trade requests. You've got Le'Veon Bell, who's playing under the franchise tag for $12 million. How much do you want to pay him? Who knows what happens with Todd Haley, as the offensive coordinator. And now, realistically, Doug, I think Pittsburgh, as you talk about their defense becoming better and better, Maybe that's what Pittsburgh's going to hang their hat on over the next five or 10 years. I think the change you would most likely see would come from the Steelers because I just have no idea what their future holds on the offensive side of the ball. No, I
6: would agree. But I also think that, you know, Seahawks, it's, it's, you had the Richard Sherman and the talk of, uh, of them floating them out there to be traded. Um, you, you know, you have all of these huge personalities on defense. And look, they're still pretty good, right? They're not a bad football team. But they're not as crazy dominant as they've been defensively, and some of that is when you don't have an offense that can keep them off the field as yes. much. That yes. that you're they're going to be taking more snaps, and and they they won't be as good. So that, that's completely and totally reasonable. But I do think that the sideline arguments, the uh, the the stuff between Sherman and Russell Wilson is real. The stuff between Sherman. and, and front office is real. And, and I would agree with you. I do think that Pittsburgh feels like a little bit more of a dumpster fire. Uh, but it's a dumpster yeah. fire to which, maybe not a dumpster fire, just a dysfunctional, though successful team. And I think that's kind of where we are with Seattle. They, you know, like, they they should have lost to the Rams. I mean, Cooper Cup catches that ball. The Rams, by the way, are 5-1 and one on the season. Should have lost to the Rams. And right now, things are still going relatively well and it's still a little bit turbulent. If they hit a rough patch, I think it's going to go to hell in a handbasket.
9: That NFC, though, allows them some flexibility because now you've got two teams in that division that aren't any good in Arizona and San Francisco. So now you're battling the Rams, and you see some of the fall off of the Giants and the other team. I still think Seattle's in a, in a, in a good position where this. This court, this is something too, Doug, that has been around for a little while. The Sherman thing was heck latched here when he's yelling at coaches, and that ended up going right. Um, there ended up continuing as as they kept him around. I think with the contracts and where with the pieces they've got, it's still together in twenty eighteen. They've started to somewhat try to replenish that defensive line. That's why you drafted Frank Clark a couple of years ago. That's why Malik McDowell was their first round pick. They do the Sheldon Richardson trade. Who knows about his future? But I just think I, I just think more so with Pittsburgh on that offensive side of the ball because their defense is really becoming Really good with some some star players. They drafted T.J. Watt, so that's where I just I look at you know Ryan Shays. You could go over all the names, but the fact is, I think there's more questions about Pittsburgh because we don't know about Ben, we don't know about Le'Veon Bell, we don't know about Martavis Bryant. I actually think so. you brought
6: up a really interesting point, but I also think it works for the Steelers. That division isn't very good at all for the Steelers either, and that allows them the kind of uh, false sense sure. of how how good they are. The Browns suck. The Bengals. Um, Andy Dalton is a ba- he's uh, he is bad against his, uh, a really good zone defense as we've talked about in the past and it's not and this is probably the worst incarnation of the Ravens we've seen in a long time. Um, yeah, that's right. That offense, whoa! That offense is awful, awful. So you kind of get uh, yes, they beat the Chiefs, but they kind of always beat the Chiefs. Uh, they lost to the the Bears and the Jaguars, and maybe they're coming around to form. But I I think there are some similarities to where you can fool yourself and think you're really good and you're only beaten up on a bad division when the reality is you're one injury and one kind of turbulent situation away from it becoming a complete dysfunctional dumpster fire.
9: I think that the Steelers now realize that Le'Veon Bell getting the ball 35 times a game is the way that they are going to to win. And that's just – it's not going to be the – Ben throwing five touchdown passes. We saw him throw five interceptions in that loss to the Jaguars that you mentioned. With their defense and how their offense is now going to operate, when you've got Antonio Brown, there's not much room for a a number two wide receiver. And how I think that offense now moves forward. That's what I think is also just so different in Pittsburgh is they're going to win the ga- win games different than maybe they have the last couple of seasons.
6: Mm. Great stuff, there, uh, Dan Byer, our resident Seahawks expert also we're going to uh, plug, pick his brain tomorrow uh, later on for some brewers info no i'm i'm kidding dan is i'm i'm, I'm <laughs> like he uh, goes yeah, he talk. goes he goes we're going <laughs> going brewer talk right we're going oh, all all brewer talk no <laughs> that's good for no one right now it it uh, honestly it is crazy uh, is is verlander starting game 1 Keuchel. uh Keichel starting yes. so Keuchel versus uh Keichel versus uh, uh Kershaw? yes Oof, that's good two good left-handers. You know, Dodgers traditionally have struggled against left-handers. We'll see um, in a little NL West matchup. So it's interesting that nothing was really decided at all in the NFL, and yet it seems more interesting than Major League Baseball, and they're going to decide a champion here in the next two weeks. Um, One note to Houston. Can you open the damn dome? Like, I'm not asking a lot here. Dodger Stadium, obviously, there is no dome. It's going to be 115 degrees tomorrow uh, during first pitch. It's going to be ridiculously hot tomorrow during first pitch. So to Houston, be like, oh, it's too hot outside. Be like 85 and sunny. Like, what's the point of not playing in a normal dome if you don't open it when it's sunny outside? But uh, all of America that watches is going to hate Los Angeles tomorrow because it is going to be hot. It'll be, Ramos going to wear his tube top to the game. <laughs> I only wear those on special occasions. It's a special World Series. First yes. since '88, you're going to wear a tube top. Just quickly,
0: Doug, uh, weather in Houston, Friday it's rainy in '77. Saturday it's sunny in '64. And Sunday it's uh, sunny in '71. So, yeah, so, not, it yeah. should be,
6: so with, if it's raining, dome closed. Fine. Sunny, no excuse. If it's louder in here and the ball travels better, it's baseball. Okay? You have a grass field, open the dome. D'Angelo Williams joins the show next. I'll get his thoughts on the Steelers. Are they good? Or are they like, eh, good? good. Um, and how much of the Atlanta Falcons regressing towards the mean do we put on their offensive coordinator? How much do we put on their quarterback? And uh, are we willing to believe that the Chargers are actually a good football team? Just throwing that out there. D'Angelo Williams joins us up coming next. But first, if you've noticed that I'm more chipper, I am uh, happy, Doug. It's not just because it's sunny out here in Los Angeles because I'm sleeping on my Casper mattress. And uh, it's just the best night's sleep I've ever had, period. And you got to try a Casper because you're going to love yours as much as I love mine. Switching to Casper is a no-brainer. Matter of fact, all my kids come in, and they they always have hopped on the bed, but now they hop on the bed, and they don't want to move. They don't wanna, I, I get kicked to the guest room or to my switch rooms with my girls because they want to come and sleep next to their mother, and sleep on this, on this Casper mattress. You get it for 100 nights risk-free. That's right. If you don't like it, they pick it up from your house. Sleeping on the mattress is the best way to try it. So put Casper to the test in your own home for 100 nights risk-free. Go to Casper.com. Use the code Gottlieb. That's G-O-T-T-L-I-E-B. You could save 75 bucks on your purchase with use, with using this code. Casper.com. The code is Gottlieb. Minimum purchase required. See site for details. Terms and conditions apply. That's Casper.com. The code is Gottlieb. With True Car, you can find out what other people in your area pay for the same car you're looking for and on average save over 3000 off MSRP. Whether you're looking for a new or used car, visit True Car and enjoy a more confident car buying experience. Doug Gottlieb, show, Fox Sports Radio. This is where we uh, This is where we. Um, we need some help from an expert, right? Need some help from an expert because you, you think you know something in the NFL and then... And then you don't. Like Kansas City is the best team in the league by some people, and they were last undefeated team. Now they've lost two in a row. San Diego's 0-4. And and now they've won three in a row. Broncos defense, awesome, but their offense is so bad, right? Cam Newton's bad, then Cam Newton's good. Now Cam Newton's bad again. Uh, the Patriots, their defense was awful, right? Atrocious. And without two cornerbacks, they take on the Falcons, rematch the Super Bowl, and the Falcons can't move the football against them. So like what? There's a just I need help, and so every Monday we call in D'Angelo Williams, former uh, Pro Bowl, two time Pro Bowler, joining us on the Doug Gottlieb show here show here on Fox Sports Radio. Let's start. Let's gotta work backwards. Last night the Patriots at home looked like the Patriots at home are supposed to look. Only problem is that's not how the Patriots have looked at home this year. What went so wrong for that Falcons offense, D?
8: <laughs> what went so wrong? Like I, I, I'm not so sure that they're not doing what they did last year. They did a lot of play action last year and kept people off guard. They're not doing that this year. They, they're not doing much play action at all. They just either lining up running the football or they lining up drop back passing it. And I don't think that offense is created that way. Now the thing that I, I like about New England is they went back to their roots. Uh, I've said this all along, man. I don't care who you are. You either believe in a system. Or you believe in the play of the player, which will be the all-pro or the, the pro bowler. Uh, and you, you can't take superstars and plug them in a the defense and expect your system to work. Because those guys are not good within that system. However, if you take those guys out and you run your system, i.e. Uh, New England this week, last weekend or uh, last night, you get the production that you get out of your defense because everybody's on board with what you have and what you say.
6: So what did they do? They, went, they, 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 they changed they what just, they're doing to fit their personnel better?
8: They, they, they didn't change anything that they did to fit their personnel better. They simply just lined up and believed in the system. You have these guys. You said they played without two corners last night, right? Mm-hmm. The, one of the corners was uh, Gilmore, mm-hmm. which is a $65 million player, which is a great player when he's allowed to play his game, not play within the system because he's not a system corner. He's one of those, let me go man-to-man, let me do bump and run. That's not what we do in this system. This is not how New England operates. So you plug that guy into a system, and it's going to be tough because he's fighting his, the potential that he has and what he sees versus on what he's supposed to do within the system. Now do you get what I'm saying?
6: I do get you. I, I get exactly what you're saying. I get exactly so what
8: you're you, saying. So you, you take that guy out. Now you can just run your system because the guy behind him doesn't have the luxury of doing what he wants to do on his own, i.e. Malcolm Butler a couple weeks ago when he's playing Cam Newton and that offense, he drops back and he gets a pick uh, because he bails off of his guy because he's taking chances. That's not within the system. That's him as a player and him evolving. There's some guys that can play within the system. There's some guys that cannot. But the ones that can play within the system are few and far between. And Malcolm Butler is one of those that I – I wanna say could play, but every now and then, you know, uh <laughs> he get burned. So you can't just say he's just reliable as anybody else.
6: Uh let's let's go to the New Orleans Saints. Are they good now? Like did we did we all miss are they good?
8: Uh, I am gonna tell you something, man. That that NFC South man just in general is sketchy. Uh this is the sketchiest year of all of football, the NFC South has been for me because the last two years, I would have said the NFC South was the most competitive uh, division in football only because for the last two years, they put a team into the Super Bowl. The Atlanta Falcons went the, uh, one year, and then the year before that, the Carolina Panthers went. So I would have called them the most competitive division. Now, it's not even like you don't even know who's going to win from week to week, and you don't even know how competitive it's going to be. You don't know. If you're going to get Dr. Jekyll or Mr. Hyde with Cam Newton, you, you never know if New Orleans' defense is going to show up. You don't you don't know anything. There's nothing solid about that uh, NFC South division but one thing. And that one thing is the Tampa Bay Buccaneers are going to give you a good game, but they won't win it.
6: Uh, let, let's go to the Pittsburgh Steelers, your former team. You said it a long time ago. Nothing wrong with Le'Veon Bell. Just give Le'Veon Bell the nice. ball. The past two yes. weeks, they've given him the football he had. What 175 last week? This week, 134 on 35 carries. I guess the only question is: is now all right with the world? Right? Have they fixed all their problems? Because Ben is still Ben's fine. He's good. Um, but is is this? Can they win big with this game plan?
8: Absolutely. That's how they're built. And I told you this when the season started. They're not this team that's going to drop back and command the attention of a passing quarterback with the receivers that they have which is crazy for people to even think about that because A.B. go bananas every game for 100-and-some-odd yards. And you're just like, but he's the only one. He's the only one with all the weapons. Because this is a run first. This is still a football. Run, run, pass. Run, run, pass. It's always been like that. So when they opened up the season throwing the ball, I was like, this is definitely that punishment package for Le'Veon for not going into – not going to uh, training camp.
6: camp. Yeah,
8: that, yeah, that's what it was. It was him not going to training camp, and it was that punishment package. And they wanted to see, they wanted to show him, hey, we could do this without you. Well, they showed themselves that they can't. So he's going to be due for a big payday at the end of the year because they're going to have to figure out they're going to have to replace Ben because Ben's going to be done. Ben's having a tough time this year throwing the football because they only threw it twenty four times and Le'Veon ran it thirty five times. Yep. So, for the last two or three weeks, they obviously know that they've been struggling at that position. So, how do you help a struggling passing offense? You run the ball. Ask the Arizona Cardinals because they could have used a lot of that this weekend. And what happened to Arizona Cardinals this weekend is what I thought was going to happen to them last weekend. But AP proved me wrong last weekend. But he also proved me wrong this weekend because I thought he was going to go for a big game this weekend, and he didn't. He gave me 21 yards on 11 carries, although I know Carson Palmer got knocked out of the game, but still.
6: I'm having a tough time with the Cowboys. Uh, they get Sean Lee back, which obviously makes them much better against the run. They had a, they had a week off, which made them all healthy, and they, they still have Ezekiel Elliott, But they're playing against C.J. Beathard, who's a rookie quarterback with the Niners. The Niners aren't any good. So I'm trying to yeah. figure out how good the Cowboys are. Can you help me?
8: Man, I—they're three and three. They're average. <laughs> that's what—that's what kind of team that they are. They're—they're uh, they're an average football team with high expectations and high hopes that people—they—they they don't even want to see that. They don't even want to see that at all. They, as long as they're better than the Giants, people can—they can stomach that. Uh, I think Philly's going to win that division hands down. Not even going to be close.
6: All right, so Philly, uh, because, I, I want to get to that because Philly takes on the Redskins tonight. Uh, right. Cousins, a guy who obviously has wanted to get paid. They're three and two. Uh, you got the Eagles yeah. who are undefeated at home. And look, Carson Wentz has played very, very well when he's had time to throw the football. Are you a Carson Wentz guy? Are you a believer in the church I, I'm of Carson not a, Wentz? I'm,
8: no, I'm not in the Carson Wentz. I'm not in the, I don't believe in him. What I do believe in is that damn defense that they got over there in Philadelphia. I do believe in that defense. You can get to the Super Bowl, and you can win a lot of football games if your quarterback doesn't turn the ball over and your defense gets turnovers and pressure on them. This this game, you know how you play this game, uh, Doug? Yeah. You play this game by outscoring your opponent. 3-0 is outscoring your opponent. 2-0 is outscoring your opponent. This, this is the type of defense that Philadelphia has with Graham, with Big Cox coming. It, they have everything that they need on defense, and they're playing well with each other. That's what people don't understand. Everybody's saying Carson Wentz, Carson Wentz. They said the same thing two years ago with Cam Newton when he won the MVP and didn't give that defense any credit, and they was tops in the league at every position. I'm like, you guys, we got to find a reason for them to be good, and we can't give it to the defense. It has to be the offense. This is what I call the Trent Dilfer age, where Trent Dilfer benefited from a great defense and the quarterback get all the accolades.
6: Last thing. Um, Seahawks won again. They took down the Giants. Yeah. Giants aren't very good, but you see Doug Baldwin guys getting into on the sideline. Now look, anybody's ever played any high level competitive sport? I said it last week when there's the Bulls. Miritich got in a fight and got knocked out by Bobby Porce. Like fights happen, arguments happen. It's grown men. They're alpha males. Whatever. But it, it does seem like it does seem like Seattle walks on the uh, right on the edge, right, right close to the subway analogy is The third rail. They walk really close to that third way, rail often. Does the dysfunction uh, ever lead to this thing ever collapsing? Because they've been able to somehow survive it, where the defense not really into Russell Wilson and Doug Baldwin not really into the play call. They've been able to survive in the past. Does that remain as such?
8: It, it does. It, there, there's what's crazy is is like that dysfunctional family that everybody see that don't think can cope with existence. Is the only way that they can cope with existence is the simple fact that they're dysfunctional. And that's what people don't understand. The Pittsburgh Steelers have played the best, and Seattle has played the best when it's dysfunctional. And what it seems like they're almost about to implode from an outside perspective, but people don't understand that in the inside, all you guys are doing are making them closer to each other. Like, we can only trust each other. Let's go out here and do it for each other. And, like, simply and truly mean it. I love when I see guys blow up on the sideline and let me know it means something to them. The guys that don't blow up on the sideline and have a smile and be like, ah, it's going to be okay, those are the guys you need to worry about because they just lost that passion for football. I love seeing Doug have a fit on the side. I don't care if it's coach, player. Like, that is good for the game because me as a kid, if I see that, um, I'm like, man, he really cares about football. I understand what it takes because it takes a lot to play at that level and to be productive the way that these guys are productive. And they want the ball because they feel and know that they can help their teams win.
6: Great stuff from D'Angelo Williams. Of course, two-time Pro Bowler joins us every week in the Doug Gottlieb Show. Uh, D'Angelo, great stuff, man. Thanks so much for joining us.
8: Thank you, man. I I do have to say this, Doug, uh, before I get off. And I've never said this ever before, but the most competitive division in the National Football League today, and I hate to say this, is the AFC East, not because of New England, but because of Buffalo, Miami, and the New York Jets. I, I and it I and, me and
6: to say that. Not just, just as it hurts you, but it's weird because everybody thought the Jets would stink, and they're competitive. I think everybody thought Buffalo was, they were getting rid of parts so they could make moves in the offseason. Sean McDermott brings in his own GM. They start get, give, getting rid of guys that they didn't like, thinking they were a year or two years away, see what they thought from Tyrod Taylor. And, uh, and and even the Dolphins, you know, who they might be, they're probably better sitting Jay Cutler and playing Matt Moore. The answer was right in front of them.
8: Right, right, yes. They've always had that. I don't know why they brought on Jay Cutler in anyway. They just wanted, to, I guess, they want to donate ten million dollars to their local <laughs> charity.
6: I'm not sure. <laughs> but but the point is, it's not just that you're you're right, but that how surprising it is that those teams are competitive. Maybe equally surprising is the yeah. Patriots aren't as dominant, with the exception of last night, as they had been previously
8: absolutely and And you look at it in like any one of those three teams, this is the only division in football where there's two teams only a half a game back and And then the Jets are two games back, but looking at looking at their schedule, New England has the offense, but the defense is finicky. Buffalo has the defense and their offense is sketchy, so everybody's weakness and everybody's strength plays to each other weaknesses and strength, so they kind of offset each other. So, I mean, this New England game, when they play Buffalo again, can come down to special teams.
6: D'Angelo, great stuff, man. Thanks for, thanks for joining us.
8: Thank you, man.
6: All right, that uh, NFL discussion is brought to you by True Car. With True Car, you can find out what other people in your area pay for the same car you're looking for. New or used, visit TrueCar to enjoy a more confident car buying experience. Let's bring in Dan Beyer. Find out what else is going on in the world of sports. Suspensions, what? trades, arrests. What do you got? How about this? How about non-benchings?
9: Yes, Trevor Simeon's going to remain the Broncos' starting quarterback for it just week. Shows eight.
6: that Paxton Lynch stinks, yeah.
9: <laughs> and, and Brock Osweiler's there as well. Trevor Simeon will remain. That the is a vote of
6: no confidence in Brock Osweiler, right? For sure. Head Trevor Co- Simeon's not a good quarterback. The best thing he does is scramble. The week- Best thing he does is scramble.
9: Head coach Vance Joseph said today that Simeon can't play well if he isn't blocked for.
6: It's true. The offensive line is not good. I mean, look. I, I, the, everybody that needs offensive line help. I think Chargers are gonna bring in some, and maybe lost in this in the discussion about the Chargers and their stadium and the Broncos' offense being offensive is Melvin Ingram and Joey Bosa. Those two dudes get after the quarterback. They they've done a really good job getting those two guys.
9: The Broncos weren't down, uh, or were down a couple of right tackles yesterday. And the other point, Doug, and no disrespect to Trevor Simeon, but. Trevor Simeon shouldn't be the guy needing to win football games for you. That's
6: disrespectful to Trevor Simeon. I, it, Anytime you yeah. say no disrespect. Yeah,
9: I just disrespected him, but there's other, there are other places on that team that can definitely perform better. Um, the Browns, uh, they can maybe go only up, but they've lost their all pro left tackle. Joe Thomas done for the season with a torn triceps muscle. This is for a team that is witless on the season. And, I think 1-22 in 22 is the stat under Hugh Jackson so didn't, far. Didn't he
6: have the record for most consecutive snaps without missing one?
9: Yes, he did. It was over 10,000 yesterday when it finally came to an end, and now his season has come to an end. Week 7 comes to an end tonight with the Redskins and Eagles at 8.30 Eastern time. Texans left tackle Dwayne Brown ended his holdout and joined the team today. In the NBA, Cavs guard Derek Rose out for the next two games with a sprained ankle. And Suns guard Eric Bledsoe-Doug was sent home by the team after a meeting today Phoenix is engaging in trade talks to uh, try to deal the point guard, according to ESPN. After Earl Watson was fired yesterday, Bledsoe tweeted, quote, I don't want to be here, end quote. And now he may not be for long. Now he gets his wish. Yes. Could be on his way out to the Valley of the Sun. <sighs>
6: um, What do you guys think of this Barstool thing? Pretty funny. Pretty interesting. Do so you guys know what Barstool sports is? I think oh, we yeah. all do. In, yeah. in sports, we all do. Do people in the real world, like, Outside of Twitter, I know they had just had an emergency Periscope and had 53,000 or something watch on Periscope. Yes, Rhyme Music.
5: Uh, for my age, all of my group of friends all know exactly what Barstool Sports is. Okay, which and how they would are, you describe and, it? And they aren't like heavy Twitter users.
6: Okay, so how would you describe Barstool Sports?
5: Uh, I would say it's something that's definitely targeted for the like eighteen to early thirties, sort of like frat culture. Like, I the thing that's weird about Barstool Sports is they've evolved into something where like a lot of their content isn't even necessarily sports related.
6: Well, I I think that's kind of what they that's kind of their that's their thing, right? And that kind of their thing is like yeah, they, sports and then the offshoot into other stuff. Yeah, exactly. Uh, okay, so. They, they had a show they had one show on ESPN2 at like one in the morning east Coast time last week. is that correct? and then Pelt was on it and basically they had two guys that would go in, in a van like the old conversion van in a van and they'd interview people and that was kind of their show and uh, and the, the two their their um stage names, Big Cat and PFT commentator, correct? And so they'd have their own kind of session where they'd riff and then they would have some interview. And I guess Dan Patrick was going to be on the second one. And what happened was they have, there's a, there's a guy who's known as, known as the stool president because there's individual sites, right? Local sites now for barstool sports. They have, schools have their own barstool sports. It's almost like uh, what used they used to have for message boards. Remember each school used to have their message boards and kind of, Message board guy has become Twitter guy and broken off into barstool guy and their own site guy, right? So there's kind of evolved a little bit. But the head of the whole thing is, uh, is a guy named Prez, who's Dave uh, Portnoy. And um, you, this is going back a couple years ago. Who did they go after at uh, at ESPN? Somebody who just had a had a baby at the time. Um, was it Sam Ponder? It was Sam Ponder. And like, look, they they also uh, is it more about like pop culture and kind of taking sports. But they also kind of made a career out of taking lots of shots and making fun of ESPN. And so ESPN hiring people that made a name for themselves, making fun of ESPN, did not make a lot of people who worked at ESPN very happy. And they pulled the plug one show in. That's the shortest run ever, like shows that are bad on um on network TV, get usually four shows, don't they? Do you ever have a show that you watched that you were like, I can't believe that didn't get picked up? What was the show? It, it did get picked up. It was around for a while. Boston Commons. I used to like that show, Boston Commons. And no, apparently nobody else liked it. Freaks and it.
9: Geeks was one of those that Freaks I think and a Geeks, lot of people that was critically acclaimed, uh-huh. and, but it just it didn't stick with the but network. But the guys
6: that created Freaks and, Freaks and Geeks also went on to create a bunch of other stuff that was. Really well-received, wasn't it? And yeah, Judd Apatow. Right. That's where Judd Apatow kind of got his got his start, didn't it? I, th- I think or got, so. Or became known. Yeah. I don't know if he got his start. That'd be, that'd be unfair. I wouldn't wouldn't know enough about it.
0: Jason Siegel.
6: Jason Siegel, yeah. same thing. Yeah, James Franco was on that. James yeah. Franco, Seth, Seth Rogen. Yep. Wow. Um. Joe Flaherty, Busy Phillips. That's pretty good. Pretty good. Freaks and Geeks. How long did Freaks and Geeks last? I thought it was like a season. It was a- one season. Yeah, twelve episodes. Twelve. Now, that was my favorite show. But well, not en- enough of it. <laughs> not enough of you had favorite shows. Not enough of you had favorite shows. So, what's your reaction, buyer, to them pulling the plug on it? I
9: just want to know when it comes out on DVD, season one, um, that one episode. <laughs> that I find it. Funny. I, I find it interesting that because I would look at for for ESPN who likes to do big things, they go in big with it. But this was a show that was on overnight. Was on ESPN two, so it was like we're gonna we're gonna work with them, but we're not going to. I mean, how long did we hear about SportsCenter six for? Right, I mean, like they yeah, they promote. But, they, but it
6: was a but it was a six o'clock sports center. But they're basically taking somebody else's content and making it their own, right? They're doing that with something something else they have coming up as well, which which uh, I'm trying to think of what what the other thing they were doing. Uh, but taking somebody else's co- content and calling it your own is not that's that, that's not the same and. Also talks about, I think they just wanted to get young, cool, hip, right? That's what they were. They're trying to get that 18 to 25 demo. And, you know, like, again, look, in a boardroom, it works out really good. Like, what's the hottest thing 18 to 25? Like, Barstool Sports. Like, all right, let's give it the worst possible time slot. You know, see how it goes. And if it, is, it goes okay, we'll move it up. In the process, they pissed off a lot of people who work there, including Sam Ponder, who was like, hey, you made fun of my baby. Like, you can't call somebody's baby you just can't. Those are the things you can't get away with. I mean, you can do it, but good luck with that one. Good luck with that one. Music? Are you? You all? You and your boys who are big stoolies. Are you guys sad? Are you happy?
5: I honestly didn't watch it. Yeah. I listen to uh, the, so what that TV show was based on the podcast. Pardon my take. Yeah. I'll listen to it every once in a while. I think some of the stuff they do is clever and funny. But how the people at ESPN thought that what they do on that podcast would be good for their Brand. television network yeah. made absolutely zero sense to me.
6: I'm, I'm often look, I'll just give you the TV executives. Oftentimes don't actually watch their, even their own networks, let alone listen to somebody else's thing. But what I'm saying is like, I, I, never, I, I look, I'll never forget when I, I got to like CBS, People were like, wow, you're really strongly opinionated. Like I, I was at ESPN for 10 years. You didn't know. <laughs> I mean, I was hired to do a radio show and I, I like the radio show guys, radio stuff guys. From where I came from, I like all those people, but even they were like, "Well, we just thought you were an ESPN show with just have interview after interview after interview." I was like, "I don't know, you didn't. All I got to do is get an air check, <laughs> ask for an hour, we'll send it to you anytime you want." But it's not that's not the way it works. They all go like, "All right, who's young? Who's hip? Who's pretty cool? Who doesn't cost that much money? How can we do this? What makes sense?" Blah blah blah. Why we don't have to build? We, like, what they should have done is create their own guys in a van. Call it something else. And then the stewards would be like, you copied us. Like, maybe. Maybe we did. Maybe we didn't. I mean, Undisputed is first take, right? I mean, it's like the same set. Heck, we even have one of the same hosts. Just call it something different. Not that hard. Swing and a miss, boys. Cowboys are back, at least according to Skip Bayless. I'll tell you if I agree. Next. With True Car, you can find out what other people in your area paid for the same car you're looking for. New or used, visit True Car to enjoy a more confident car-buying experience. Doug Gottlieb, show, Fox Sports Radio. What up, to you? hope you're having a good day. Had a great weekend. Getting ready for the World Series tomorrow, which, of course, you can see on Big Fox. Big Fox! Big! Big Fox! Big Fox! Um, and, of course, we got Monday Night Football tonight. We'll all make our picks. I know you're all waiting on bated breath. In the meantime, let's play... And now... <laughs> All right, earlier today on Fox Sports Radio on Sirius XM Channel 83, you may have heard the Undisputed. That's Skip Bayless, Shannon Sharp, and uh, Joy Taylor's show. Skip had this to say about his beloved Cowboys win. This was exactly what the doctor ordered for that four-game stretch that is
2: upcoming because my Cowboys season starts now. You can wipe away all those threes and threes. I don't care about anything that's transpired up to this point because this team is poised for takeoff, at Washington, Kansas City, at Atlanta, and then those invincible Eagles come to Jerry World. I don't My
0: think we Eagles have a left. chance.
6: I don't know. We two and two at best. Yeah, two, two, and, two and two. How two about best. four and zero at best? Um, look, I think the Cowboys played really well yesterday. I think they're a lot better when they have Sean Lee back. But I also think they had a week off and they played the 49ers who started a rookie quarterback, and they're not even good when they start Brian Hoyer as quarterback. So I'm not really sure what we – like a team that has lost an arm was playing with the other arm tied behind its back. And you had both arms and both legs, and you were supposed – you would have beaten them even if they had both arms and both legs. Is that that a fair analogy? I think so. So uh, I don't know – Let's see what the Cowboys do. Let's see if they can keep, uh, they're not going to hear the Ezekiel thing until October 30th. So that buys them another week, but you could still have him suspended and all is not perfect with the world. They look very good, but that was the, as even skip said, the perfect scenario, just what the doctor ordered, everybody back, everybody healthy, other teams stunk and other team was without their starting quarterback. Um, Later in the day, or earlier in the day, Nick Wright on First Things First, another Fox Sports 1 TV show that you can hear on Sirius Channel 83, had this to say about Steph Curry getting ejected and throwing his mouthpiece.
4: The Warriors continue to be the most unlikable team in sports. On Kerr. Kerr did this, played the this same game when Draymond hit LeBron in the groin. He, when he was asked about it after the game, he was like, oh, I think, the, in, I think it should be rescinded. Not Rather than, I think, I think they should rescind it rather than that they should suspend him. Kerr's joking, suspended eight, ten games. This is worthy of a five-game suspension. He took his mouthpiece out and threw it at the ref because he was mad about a call the ref did not make. Yadonis Haslam. And he's also a repeat offender. Repeat offender. Yadonis mm-hmm. Haslam once took his mouthpiece out, threw it on the ground. It bounced up near the ref, and he was suspended for one playoff game, okay? So, Kerr joking like, oh, it endangered thousands of people. Kerr, you know better. It's not about how dangerous it was. You cannot throw projectiles at the officials. Pretty simple rule in sports. Steph's for some reason, maybe because he's little, maybe because he's thin and unassuming, he gets to be this cuddly, lovable star, even though he's clearly the single most arrogant player in the league.
6: Whoa. Single most arrogant player in the league? Like, come on, man. That's You know, I mean, there's a lot of competition for that in the NBA. You know, I saw DeMarcus Cousins play last night, who's ridiculously arrogant, plays no defense, team wins no games, plays out of position because he always wants to shoot threes instead of getting down the post. He's pretty arrogant as well. I mean, look, Eric Bledsoe was ballsy enough after getting beat by 92 points in their first three games, to lie to his general manager and tell him, uh, that tweet I sent out about wanting to, not wanting to be here anymore, that was about being at a hair salon with my girlfriend. Like, that's pretty arrogant. Do I think Steph will get suspended? I do. Do I think there was any real harm done to an official? I don't. It would have been a better look. But to anybody who thinks Steph Curry gets a pass, no, he doesn't. He doesn't get a pass from other players. He doesn't get a pass from officials. He doesn't get a pass from other fans. Is he beloved? He is. But he's also roundly and rightly, right, rightfully criticized at times for behavior, lack of defense, uh, and at times for poor play. We freak out when he didn't play well early in the NBA Finals, didn't we? So l- let's not go crazy. Do I think Steph Curry's the best player in the NBA? No. Do I think he's ridiculously popular? I do. Do I think that... It's he's only beloved. I do not. That's because I actually pay attention. Ah! What
2: does the fuck say?
6: Uh, who wins tonight, guys? Because you know we lose some of our audience to uh to with with SiriusXM. I say Eagles. I like the Eagles. Eagles at home. Eagles at home. Dan Byer. Give me the Eagles. Yeah, give me the Eagles as well. Something not not buy, I'm not buying something about the Washington Redskins anyway. All right, Anthony Heron's going to join us up coming next. Um, reports are Sam Donald will come back to school. Does it matter with the coaching staff he has? Could the Pac-12 be out of the National Championship hunt? That's next on the Doug Gottlieb Show. What up, Doug Gottlieb Show, Fox Sports Radio, coming to you from the city of angels, getting you ready for Monday Night Football. Skins, Eagles, Philadelphia. That should be fun, right? I mean, if you think about it, right, the... um, Thursday night football was in Oakland. That was, a, that was a very competitive game. Kansas City taking on Oakland, came down to last play, and then the additional last play, and then the additional last play. Um, and then um, Sunday night football was in Foxboro. It wasn't an entertaining game, but, you know, of the spots in the NFL, you're like, ooh, love to watch a game from there. Fog, not competitive, rematch of Super Bowl, but still pretty interesting game. And then tonight you got Philadelphia where everyone is raving about Carson Wentz. Uh, Kirk Cousins is still one of those. I like him, but he's in the friend zone with the Washington Redskins. Friend zone pays him $24 million. How good is either team? Everybody raving about the front seven of the Eagles. We'll see if they get after Kirk Cousins and the uh, Redskins. We're all picking the Eagles to win. Uh, And, then, of course, tomorrow we have the World Series. Dallas Keuchel, Clayton Kershaw, Chavez Ravine, Houston. Yes, they're in the American League taking on the Dodgers. That's on Big Fox. Over the weekend, some fascinating college football. I think Big Ten really interesting. Notre Dame really interesting. And what happened to USC? They've had turnover issues. They've looked like they're not the most refined coached team in the country in the past. But you would think, all right, it's Notre Dame. National TV. It's a huge rivalry game. You'll see the best of the best from both teams. And it wasn't competitive. Anthony Herring joins the show. He played football at Iowa, works for the Pac-12 Network, joins us on the Doug Gottlieb Show here on Fox Sports Radio. Um, What the hell happened to USC this past Saturday?
10: (laughs) They got pushed around, Doug, at a much higher level than we've seen them get pushed around previously this season. And, you know, that is including a team like Utah on their schedule who they were able to go toe-to-toe with early on. But part of the reason they were able to do that earlier in the year is because they weren't nearly as beat up back then, as we've seen the Trojans get to at this point. You know, they've got a true freshman starting at right tackle. They've got several members of their front seven on defense who are no longer able to be in the game for them. And, you know, they're far closer at this point in their program to where they were, you know, let's say back during the Lane Kiffin era as far as the scholarship limitations and all that. But right now, they're a team who just isn't in a position to withstand the attrition that we've seen them going through at several key physical spots this year. And, you know, as much as I love Sam Donald, uh, I believe I said it to you during the preseason, I know I said it on Colin's show, his inability to consistently protect the football was definitely going to be one of the separating factors for USC this season. You know, they were going to be a team in the Pac-12 championship picture regardless, but as far as being a team in the national championship picture, that's where the Rebels are going to meet the road, whether or not Sam Darnold could figure out how to protect the football in a more consistent manner? And he just hasn't
6: this season. Uh, there is at least one report that as of now he's planning on coming back to school for a year. Uh, I I don't. It's not that I don't believe the report to be valid. It's that you know. Let me know when once we get to January, right? Like, let not. <laughs> no one's making a decision with half of the season still to be played. What are your thoughts on on the idea of Sam Darnold going pro?
10: I draw a number of comparisons between Sam Donald at this point in his development and Jameis Winston, his last season at Florida state, you know, each came in as freshman quarterbacks, just like a ball of fire, made a lot of very exciting plays, a lot of highlight reels, run off a lot of victories in a row. Of course, Jameis Winston led Florida state to a national championship. Sam Donald had to quote unquote settle for leading USC to a Rose bowl championship. And then coming back the following season, where just the, the pure skill that each of these individuals have as passers. Now, Donald is a, a more mobile quarterback. Jameis Wilson doesn't get credit for as mobile as he is, but Sam Donald certainly more mobile, more apt to run with the football than Jameis was at this point in his development. But each of these guys can throw the football in a manner that that goes beyond where they're at in their development as college players, because it's not just the sheer arm strength it's not even just the ability to anticipate it's the trajectory the way they can loss the football where it will quickly rise over a linebacker drop down right into the bucket to a tight end or to a defensive back some of the hole shots that they hit so they've got the full arsenal available to them but part of the thing that does is you're still throwing two college players and also maybe you haven't completely refined some of this very sharp very precise skill that you have as a passer and the willingness to take shots in tight windows and anticipate things earlier than anyone else on the field is seeing this, it leads to a lot of turnovers, not just in throwing the football, but Donald's willingness to extend the play has led to a lot of fumbles as well. So I see him on the field in that Jameis Winston vein as a guy who, once he goes through the combine process, if he chooses to do so, folks are going to fall in love with him. He certainly got a high IQ for the game of football. So if he does, start to put some feelings out. Folks are telling him, hey, you, you got a shot at not just being a top five pick, maybe number one overall pick. It would be difficult to say no to that. But do I believe he would benefit from another year in college? I think he would because it's just more reps, more competitive reps right. at the major college football level.
6: Um, you know, I watched both Oklahoma and Oklahoma State survive. Oklahoma came back and beat Kansas State. Oklahoma State, who before Saturday was the most prolific offense in the country, uh, they won 13 to 10 in overtime mostly because of their defense but one of the things that both teams did around the goal line and definitely in red zone was this wildcat stuff or you know taking their starting quarterback putting him out wide or taking baker mayfield completely off the field and we actually talked with Justin Wilcox who is I, I know you know he's been defensive coordinator everywhere head coach of the Cal Bears and he's like look it makes it 11 on 11 you know, it, it changes assignments, it makes it easier to block, it's harder to stop, and from a defensive coordinator's perspective, that's a really hard thing, but when you have Mayfield and, I mean, when you have one of these elite quarterbacks, why would you take the ball out of their hands and give it to a running back who has no chance of throwing it?
10: <laughs> well, it's, a lot of it just depends on the field position that you're doing it from, but one of the things you gain is, is that additional blocking surface. And, you know, when, when Justin was talking about going 11-on-11, 11 11, because normally as a defender, and I was a defensive lineman by trade, so normally on that side of the ball, we're not accounting for the quarterback as a runner up until, you know, just this advent of all the, the wildcat single wing stuff the teams are doing now. But in sort of your standard football play, where the quarterback is taking the pull from center and dropping back as a passer, you're not accounting a defender in the box for that advent of his run now when you have that running option as the quarterback and teams are going full on wildcat you know even where it was a Tim Tebow type at Florida where you could go QB power you know you can run plays that are going to go right into the teeth of the defense and know that the person who's getting the snap from center has the ability to run with some physicality into the teeth of the defense it makes a big difference for how you can do that situationally you know i mean a guy like Rich Rodriguez QB power isn't a big part of what he's doing with Khalil Tate Man. at Arizona, but there's certain more of these, these power spread teams, these power read option teams who do a lot of those things like Urban Meyer does and have become you know a big part of what makes offenses successful at the collegiate level.
6: Yeah, boy, I like watching Khalil Tate run the football for Arizona. They took down Cal uh, this past weekend. Doug Gottlieb, show, Fox Sports Radio. Um, Anthony Heron joining us, played at Iowa, works for the Pac-12 Network, knows all of college football. I watched Notre Dame against Georgia and felt like, as good as their offensive line was, a little overmatched athletically. Then I watched them this past weekend against SC, and as you point out, SC is depleted in many key areas in both offensive and defensive line, but Notre Dame completely and thoroughly dominated the line of scrimmage. Have they improved, or is it simply the quality of competition? Well,
10: it's both, but one of the things that really stuck out to me in watching the game back, with Brandon Wimbush, who still isn't the most accurate passer in the world, but you can see the progression he's starting to make just to at least be able to complete and even attempt situational spot throws. You know, he, he may not be a 60% completion quarterback anytime soon. I mean, and part of his the weapons on the outside for Notre Dame are still rounding in the form. They're still developing as well. But him being able to go back shoulder with the ball in certain situations, him being able to spot the back Pylon, you know, the back line of the end zone, and be able to target receivers back there after progressing through his reads. Those are things that you are seeing Brandon Wimbush doing earlier in the year. So, from a sheer run game standpoint, having Winbush as add that additional run threat, you know, when you've got a running quarterback and a power run game, you're still basically a one dimensional offense. But when that quarterback can also harm defenses, when you know extra bodies have to be committed to the box to try and stop one of the top wrestling attacks in college football and then that QB can take advantage of one-on-one matchups, That he's part of the reason that's dictated, he can take advantage of those with his arm and target passes in ways that his receivers are the main ones with an opportunity, then that rolls this Notre Dame offense into the next phase of their progression. So it's going to be a very entertaining thing to see whether or not Brian Kelly decides he does want to because he's had some high-level passers throughout his time as a coach in multiple stops. Does he want to try to unleash that part of the Notre Dame offense even more now that he's showing a bit of action in there? Or do we stay within the confines of the box and the framework of what's really made them one of the more physical teams in college football this season?
6: All right. Uh, last thing, Penn State takes on Ohio State. They dismantled Michigan. Uh, felt like they were ready from the jump. Now, look, they, they put their running back at wildcat position and got him got him off early. Um uh, but uh, but you know, look, this is a Penn State team that's been on fire since getting blown out by Michigan last year. This time, now they head into the shoe, fresh off the win over Michigan. Is there any carry? Is there any carryover? You beat Michigan. Does it beat you up before you play Ohio State, or is there no carryover to that game?
10: I think it beats you up immensely because of the way the game went. And you know, kudos to to Joe Moorhead and James Franklin for some of the things they did. Because I, I said it on the herd just at the end of the week last week, I anticipated Michigan would come in and be able to physically stand up to and in some phases dominate, especially on the line of scrimmage. I thought Michigan had a big edge on both the offensive and defensive line, even though Penn State had a big skill advantage at quarterback and at tailback. But one of the things they did, you mentioned what they did in using Saquon Barkley and that Wildcat and just having some other wrinkles offensively to make sure they got him out in space i would say this, you know, if Barkley wasn't on the team, McSorley would be a guy square in the middle of the Heisman Trophy discussion because of some of the things he's able to do as a multidimensional talent. The intangible of that game, to me, for Penn State, is far more important than the tangible because they've been a talented team physically for a couple of years now. But to be able to, you know, the wideout's great and everything, but it's not like Penn State is undefeated when they're doing a wideout in Happy Valley. But what they were able to do in taking one of college football's best defenses hit them in the nose when they needed to, also out-scheme them and get playmakers in space when they needed to as well, and to do that under just the, the, the white-hot glare of expectation as the number two team in the country. I mean, you've been around sports for so long, that you know how this tends to work. A lot of times, teams look great until you actually put them on a pedestal and until folks start to pat them on the back. Penn State's been getting patted on the back for a few weeks now. I thought that would end up biting them in the tail going into that Michigan game. It didn't at all. They were angry. They looked aggressive. I think they're going to look very much like that going into Columbus this week. The difference to me is Ohio State's just a better football team than Penn State. So I still don't think Penn State's going to come out with a win this week, but I have so much more faith in what they bring to the table, both on the field and Upstairs, with, with just within their heart, within their soul, what they're going to do. So it won't surprise me if they come out with a win. But just from a sheer pick standpoint, I still think Ohio State the best team in the Big Ten.
6: Great stuff, Anthony Heron, Check him out on the Pac-12 Network. Of course, he joins us. He joins Colin Cowherd's show. Outstanding player at Iowa, and even better analyst here on Fox Sports. Anthony, thanks so much for joining us.
10: Always a pleasure, Doug. Thanks for having
6: me. All right, pleasure is mine. The NFL re- reminds me of a a really good movie. I'll tell you which movie it is upcoming next. But first. Are you in need of some great talent for your business, but you're short on time? Or you have a bunch of candidates, but none of them are the ones you actually want? Well, there's smarter tools out there, and the smartest is ZipRecruiter. You can post your job to over 100 of the web's leading job boards with just one click, so you can rest easy knowing your job is being seen by the right candidates. Then ZipRecruiter puts its smart matching technology to work, actively notifying qualified candidates about your job within minutes of posting, so you receive the best possible matches. No wonder 80% of employers who post on ZipRecruiter get a quality candidate through the site within just one day. Find out why ZipRecruiter has been used by growing businesses of all sizes and industries to find the most qualified candidates with immediate results. And right now, my listeners can post their jobs for free on ZipRecruiter. Just go to ZipRecruiter.com. ZipRecruiter is the smartest way to hire. So go to ZipRecruiter for free. At ziprecruiter.com slash Doug. At Farmers, we know a thing or two because we've seen a thing or two. Like how to help so you can make sure you're ready for some of life's unexpected hazards. Stay ahead of the game with tips from a knowledgeable pro at Farmers.com. We are Farmers. You think anybody knows that um, the bills are four and two? Right? Like, is that the craziest thing ever? Honestly? Trade, didn't they trade Sammy Watkins? Like, didn't they? I mean, didn't they? Didn't Stephon Gilmore? lose Stefan Gilmore to free agency. They they trade away some other picks too. Like, right? Like, this is a team that Mike Gillisley, of course, everybody freaked out because now he's with the New England Patriots, and he was their running. He was one of their running backs in their stable last year. Like Sean McDermott comes in, he starts cleaning house. He brings in his own buddy GM from Carolina. Like of all the, the stories in the NFL the fact that the AFC East that everybody thought would be the Patriots far and away the best team, and the rest of the team's a complete dumpster fire, right? To where, like, I don't think it was good football, but at least it was competitive football. Miami and the Jets, I don't know if you guys saw that mess at all. They're playing on the field at, uh, what's that, that's Hard Rock uh, Hard Rock Stadium, right? That stadium has had more names than any place, right? That's like that restaurant, that, ne- that one restaurant that never um, – uh, that's like there's a there's an area I used to live in Westport, Connecticut, and there's a there's a, a perfect what you'd think would be a perfect spot for a restaurant. And I think the restaurant now is called The Port, although it's had a bunch of different names. Right. And like it felt like every week you drive by you're like, hey, there's a new restaurant. It was the same location. Like, why can't they at work there? Uh, that's the same thing with the with the Dolphin Stadium, which was Dolphin Stadium. It was like Sun Life Stadium. Um, it was Joe Robbie Stadium. I I think it was pro player. I also think was it Apex for a year? Remember Apex had the jackets? Remember Apex was like the new starter jackets? I think it might have I may not may be wrong. They may have been wearing Apex jackets. It was Landshark Stadium as well. Like that place just keeps changing names. So now it's hard rock, and the surface there, the playing surface, was a joke. Right? Like normally. It's bad, but it looks good on TV. You're like, oh, it looks green. It didn't even look so they had they had a Miami game the day before, uh, Miami against Syracuse, and then I guess they had a complete downpour right before the game. Plus they have to change out part of the turf and scrape part of the turf to get to get the lines off. Right? That just sounds like a bad idea. But the fact that the turf was worse then than it was when the Marlins played there. Remember the Marlins used to play there? It was really bad. Anyway, that was like a competitive game. Like the Jets were supposed to be the worst. The Jets were supposed to be in competition for the Browns to be the worst team in the league, and they're not bad. So what? What I what I've determined about this NFL season is, I don't really know what we have. All right? Like I I picked pretty well last week. The four and one Cowboys off a bye against C.J. Beathard. Like that was felt kind of easy to me. Felt like a, felt like Vegas knows something. It's only nine and a half. Why does Vegas know it? Not know it. I, the Chargers and Broncos were a pick 'em. I guess Vegas forgot that Broncos have no offense. Like the Chargers' offense isn't good. Like that's the one thing you look at the score. Like oh, they dominate. Like mm, they just kind of played to n- not to lose. And they just scored enough points. And then they're just like, go ahead, go ahead, do something, Trevor Simeon. Um, I mean, twenty-one nothing, and Kelvin Benjamin had a kick return touchdown. So it's not like their offense had three touchdowns. They had, and they had a couple turnovers. But so there's there's the picks were cut. Kind of Rams are better than the Cardinals. Like we know the Cardinals aren't good and they're going to get worse now without Carson Palmer. They're old. And whether or not they knew they were rebuilding, they are, in fact, rebuilding. Browns are easy. Browns suck. That's an easy one. The Patriots aren't great, but it feels like they're kind of figuring out. Um the The Bears are remarkably competitive, considering I think all of us thought they would be a bit of a dumpster fire this year. But it's one of those movies that's cut with a bunch of different scenes and the scenes are all kind of interesting and you're just I'm just kind of expecting like Clinton Tarantino to come in and kind of tie it all together like oh now I get it like six Sense, right oh he was dead the whole time he was dead the whole time you want to turn to everybody and like shh
1: we knew he was dead
6: why didn't you know he was dead or usual suspect you're like oh he's Kaiser Soze he's Kaiser Soze Kaiser Soze are so Soze. People in the media are like, yeah, dummy, we got it. We're all paying attention here. I mean, NFC South, is. I thought those teams would be good, and it turns out they're all bad, except for the Saints that I thought were bad or are kind of good, only I can't figure out if they're good if it's just, they've not just beaten bad teams. Like the AFC West is like, the, the Chiefs are good, and I was like, eh, nah, not that good. Now they've kind of come back down to earth. We thought the Raiders were awesome, and they're like, eh. Chargers were find ways to lose games they should rightfully win. Now they're finding ways to win games they should rightfully lose. What in the hell? And the Denver Broncos have zero offense. Good defense, zero offense. So, look, there are things that are outliers. Giants beating the, 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 the Broncos last week. That's a like, what? they can be outlier games. But for the most part, we kind of got a pretty good sense. And there's a bunch of different cut-to scenes. Like, oh, there. Oh, Steve Sarkeesian, probably not good at that job. Should have gotten Kiffin on the runway when the Falcons got home last night. Like, really? I don't know how you take the Falcons' offense and make it bad all of a sudden. That takes a remarkable skill. Like, Lane Kiffin's like, even I couldn't do that. But it's all going to work out in the end, right? I'm going to have, I mean, I would hope if we can keep quarterbacks healthy enough. Like, we'll have Ben Roethlisberger and Tom Brady and probably the Chiefs lose early in the playoffs. Like, the Chiefs always lose early in the playoffs, Right? Can't see Chiefs fans like, I'm mad at you, but you're right. Right? And you got the Cowboys. I hate the Cowboys. And you got the Eagles. One other team in the NFC East. Might have the Rams this year. Bring back the Mike March comments about, about um, Jared Goff needing a coach, not a buddy. Turns out he's a buddy and a good coach, right? It's almost like a a buddy TV show from back in the 80s. Uh. And the Seahawks are going to be there, and that's it. Somebody probably the Vikings, I guess, I guess, I guess. Who who would think that thing would work out? No, Stephon Diggs, no Sam Bradford, no Teddy Bridgewater, no problem. All right, no Dalvin Cook. Dalvin Cook shredded his knee. Like, there's one of the all timers, right? Just exactly how you thought it would happen if you're a, a Vikings fan. Uh, Bridgewater not back, Bradford hurt again, Case Keenum be your quarterback with a running back that you hadn't heard of that was available in fantasy in the second and third week of the season and no Stephon Diggs, and you'd be fine. You'd be fine. So uh, somehow it'll all work out. It'll be super exciting, and most of the big names will be around. But, boy, this is one of those, like, man, what's going on in this movie? Or what's going on in this book? This is one of the, like, if you – I don't know when the last book you've read is, but sometimes you get to the middle of a book, you're like, oh, I, I don't know. I'm going to grind through this one, right? God, kid, isn't there just a movie I can watch in this? And your wife's just like, just read the book. Trust me, it all makes sense. Like, I
1: just, uh, just read the book. Read the book.
6: All right. And you get through, you're like, man, I'm so happy I read that book. That's what it'll be this year in football. Favorite movie that way, Ramos. You're my movie guy. Favorite movie that's just a bunch of scenes jumbled together, and then they all come together at the end.
0: Uh, I enjoyed the, hate, the uh, Hateful Eight, the Quentin Tarantino movie. That was a bu- that was- he does
6: that with a bunch of his movies, right? Yeah. He does it with a bunch of his movies. Yeah, so I, I mean, enjoyed that one. Obviously, Pulp is a famous yes, one, right? Yes, Pulp Fiction, right? most definitely. Reservoir Dogs is also a famous one. He does it that way. Uh, music, you brought up Memento, which yeah. is- Memento, Yeah, which is it, it goes in forward and backwards order and they kind of meet in, in the middle. Yeah. I haven't seen that in a while. I got I got a yeah,
5: great Christopher Nolan movie where the whole time you're kind of. a kinda, big Christopher Nolan guy. The whole time you're kind of going like, wait, so there's two different things going on here. And then you're trying to figure out what's going on because it's got the memory problems. And then at the end of it, you're like, I now understand what I was
6: watching. I'm going to watch that one. He did. Did you? I never made it through Interstellar. Oh, it was great great yeah great great
5: i thought it was great but i'm into those kind of sci-fi movies
6: okay now i'm kind of into sci-fi movies i don't
5: know cuz yeah. it's a stretch like you know when you get into the whole time travel and dimensions you, you got to be i in. don't think
6: i just i remember the first couple I was so again there's one that i was really lost in i was really lost in and i didn't make it through and i was like ah. <laughs> like ah, what else do i have i don't I have know netflix. if i can buy it yeah what else have i have on netflix oh ozark okay i watch that Everybody says I was good. That's what it reminds me of. That's, we're kind of in the middle to where it's like, I don't really know, but it'll be fine. Dan Byer, you have a favorite movie like that? Um, Deserted
9: Highway. I just made it up. I don't even know if there's a movie <laughs> called Deserted Highway. You sold
6: Highway. it really well. Yeah. I was, like, I was I looking that around movie. and I was like,
9: yeah. what the hell? Limited <laughs> release. <laughs> Limited release? Limited release. Uh, oh, I'll tell you what, Trevor Simeon's gonna release some passes for the Denver Broncos in week eight. A vote of confidence today by head coach Vance the, Joseph. The dreaded vote of confidence.
6: <laughs> Maybe it's that, more. he's either gonna get hurt or pulled next game how right? about that
9: happens. How about this from Vance Joseph? Uh he can't play well if he can't be protected. So T. Y. Hilton throws his line under the bus and Vance Joseph, because he oversees it, which I completely agree with, he's saying, Hey, block for the guy who's been sacked four times in like three games this year. But Trevor Simeon's going to remain the starter for Denver. They've got the Chiefs a week from tonight on Monday Night Football. Tonight, it's the Redskins and Eagles wrapping up week seven. Now, the big news yesterday, at least one of the big notes yesterday, was that Browns left tackle Joe Thomas had his consecutive snap streak snapped at over 10,000. Now a season is over, an MRI confirming a torn triceps. He's got one year left on his deal, $8.8 million for next season. When asked about next year, Thomas says he's not. Not sure yet. Too far ahead, but we know he's done for the season. Texans left tackle Dwayne Brown ended his holdout and joined the team today while week eight will start on That's Thursday. he funny. He was, he was yeah. in
6: such strong position after, like, the first two weeks yeah. of the season. I, and now, like, yeah. nobody cares, right? They've been just lighting up scoreboards. They're like, hey, somebody's missing from the party, like, if somebody asked Dwayne if he wants to come back and join us. He's like, yeah, I'll come back and join you. You lost eight checks over that deal. I I saw
9: some videos that Jay Glazer would put up on Instagram at Unbreakable with Dwayne Brown there working out as well. Now he's back with the team today after that six-game holdout. Jay Cutler, not likely to play Thursday against the Baltimore Ravens. Dolphins quarterback has cracked ribs. Adam Gase says expect Matt Moore. Steph Curry fined $50,000 today by the NBA for throwing his mouth guard near an official during Saturday's loss to Memphis. That's just gross, by the way.
6: That's just bad. I mean, it's bad hygiene, right? <laughs> I mean, I would, I'm not another dude. Do you think guard. he has to boil his at
9: home before the first it's practice very, of the it's, year?
6: It's a very good question. That's a you had to have played football and had a mouth guard <laughs> to understand that reference. <laughs> Uh, Does Steph Curry, let's put that up on a poll, shall we? Does Steph Curry boil his own mouth guard at home?
9: (laughs) Uh, And finally, good news. FanRag Sports. Good news for the Dodgers. It is FanRag Sports saying Corey Seager will be on the Dodgers World Series roster. Returning from that back issue, he'll be back for game one tomorrow night. Yeah,
6: he had an epidural, which either meant he was dilated to a two and ready to give birth, or he had a really, really (laughs) bad back. I think it was the latter, not the former. And that's Dan Byer with the news. Um he was uh he was talking about T. Y. Hilton and uh T. Y. Hilton, we talked about this a little bit earlier. This is T. Y. Hilton yesterday speaking the truth that you can't say about his own team.
7: Who's winning our matchup? The O line just gotta play better. Uh for as far as receiver, nothing could change. We gotta uh, take some pride up front and you know block for you know. What if we put them back there and take those hits. So uh, we gotta start up front man. Once we get a, the O line going back in rhythm we'll be fine. So, look, he was he was trying to
6: defend his quarterback, but in an effort to do so, he threw his offensive line completely and totally under the bus. Here was T.Y. Hilton backpedaling today.
7: First and foremost, i lot of to apologize to the team. And the O-line, you know, it was out of character. I'm frustrated, you know, how the game went. But at the end of the day, man, I got their back, you know. I love them to death. And, you know, I was wrong, you know. I'm always against that, and then I go out there and do it. Yeah, I was just frustrated, man. At the end of the day, you know, just want to win. But at the end, I just can't do that. Um, so for me, I just gotta go out there, you know, just just play play my game, you know, and you know, just have have each other back at the same time.
6: Yeah, look, I I I think if you look at in totality his quotes. Uh, First and foremost, I like to apologize to the team, the O line. It was out of character. It was frustrating how the game went. At the end of the day, man, I got their back. I love them to death. It was wrong. I'm always against that. I go out there and do it. 100% I messed up, all me, and I'm sorry for that. I'm a leader, and those guys look up to me, kind of stabbed them in the back. I'll approach them individually, one-on-one, let them know I was 100% dead-ass wrong. He wasn't wrong. He was wrong to say it, right? He was wrong to say it. His apology is, is completely and totally accurate, right? Like, if, it's, if his apology was a pitch, It was as well-thrown a pitch as you can possibly have. Because in the apology, he did not say they actually blocked really well. My bad. He was like, man, I was just wrong to say it. (laughs) Which is also accurate because his offensive line didn't block. His quarterback was under an incredible amount of pressure and did take a ton of hits against a talented defensive front from the Jacksonville Jaguars. But these are things you just can't say. It's like we talked about this earlier on how he understands the he understands the essence to the team apology, much like me and Ramos understand the essence of the married guy apology. It's not just I was wrong, but you have to say something like, you know, I really reflected upon this and I I I hear you. But but again, it's not just that there are things you can't say. Right in football. You can't talk about your own team and their mistakes. You can't call out your coaches and their coaches' mistakes, even if your coach is totally screwed up. That game plan was terrible. We talked about Ezekiel 8 in college. College. No, 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 no. You can't do it in pros. When does a team lose the team? Discuss issues behind closed doors. Not in front of the cameras. But th- that's and to anyone who's like, nah man, he's not wrong. What he said was dead accurate. Okay, but your wife might look fat in those pants. That doesn't mean you say it, right? If she says, do I look fat in these pants? And you say, yes, you do, honey. There's a treadmill down the street that somebody's trying to get rid of. I'm going to buy it and you should hop on it, right? Like, these are the type of things that you might not get divorced over, but you're going to sleep on the couch for it. You can't say that your mother-in-law annoys you even if she does. can't say your kids annoy you even when they do. These are things to which... You discuss behind closed doors and if it's about your wife, you don't discuss at all. And with a football team, simply can't say that you're lined in block even when you're lined in block. And is lined in block. But I like the apology. He didn't apologize. He didn't do what um Cam Newton did. Right? T- take a listen. This is this is Cam Newton. This is called apologizing, right? Were you faux apology?
8: After careful thought, I understand that my word choice was extremely degrading and disrespectful uh, to women. And to be honest, that was not my intentions. And if you are a person who took offense to what I said, I sincerely apologize to you.
6: I mean, look, I'm bothered by the syntax right i just i i'm just am but even if we set aside the syntax errors that he makes i mean usually when you you get to a certain point in your life to which syntax errors are a lot like traveling in basketball you're like ooh i just traveled ooh that just we was wait it's we were we were right cuz you say was it just feels wrong, like the tense feels wrong but setting aside all of that he didn't say i'm sorry i was wrong like ty hilton did He didn't say I was dead ass wrong. He said my choice of words. It wasn't just a choice of words. The whole thing was wrong. That's camp. If if you were offended by what I said. No, 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 no. Try that one with your wife. Honey, if you were offended by what I said, I apologize. She'd be like, excuse me? Anybody be offended by what you said. So, look, T.Y. gets a 100 for accepting 100% of the blame in his apology. Perfect score. And he wasn't even wrong for the content of what he said. He knew he was wrong because you can't say it. Meanwhile, Cam Newton may have recovered from how he treated that female reporter. But, man, he—he's this is what I said earlier. People are going to tell you that Cam Newton is inconsistent. No, he's not. He's consistent. If you're consistently inconsistent, that's who you are. You can't lie to your boss ever, ever. I've told, I've told people this all the time. Don't lie to your, don't lie to your wife. Don't lie to your boss. How does don't lie to your boss uh, meet up with sports? I'll tell you. I'm coming next. With True Car, you can find out what other people in your area paid for the same car you're looking for. New or used, visit True Car to enjoy a more confident car buying experience. Doug Gottlieb's show, Fox Sports Radio. Lots of stuff to get to today. Man, we had a lot of different football games, didn't we? A lot of different football games. We had Columbia's coach on, who led Penn to a bunch of Ivy League titles. Now 6-0 at Columbia. We just thought, uh, you know, we got a big Ivy League following. We're big, in the, we're big in the Ivy League. It's our brand. It's our brand. Do you know why it's called the Ivy League? Why it's called the Ivy League?
5: Uh, because the original number of schools, and it's based
6: off the Roman numerals. Correct. Wow. Very nice. Did you know that, or did you just take a guess?
5: I swear, I remember it. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I'm not a music guy.
6: Yeah. Who was? The, well, you know Yale, what, Clay? Who, who were the schools?
5: Ooh, was it Harvard, Yale,
6: Brown, and Penn? Uh, I think it was Columbia and. Penn. Okay. I think it was Harvard, Yale, Columbia, and Penn. I believe, and if not. Sounded good because we had Columbia's head coach. <laughs> really did. Really, really did. Uh, Matt Holiday tomorrow, Mark Schlarath tomorrow. Let's get to the press today. The press. All right, see how many you can get through here, by We got a bunch of stuff I want to...
9: Yeah, we we uh, touched on this a little bit earlier, but Trevor Simeon's going to remain the quarterback of the Denver Broncos. Tough going yesterday as the Broncos were shut out by the L.A. Chargers. First time in, what, 25 years Denver was blanked. Vance Joseph saying today he can't play well if he can't be protected, so Trevor Simeon's going to be the guy week eight against Kansas City. He can't play well because he can't
6: play. Um he plays Kansas City. He's at at home or on the road. Remind on the me. road, it's yeah. at Arrowhead. Yeah, when you have a bad offensive line, and you're playing on the road against the Kansas City Chiefs, who have extra time to prepare, that does not seem like um, a likelihood of success. But we'll see. You we lost, what?
5: by the way, but you know.
6: <laughs>
9: you know what I see? Find more and more is the NFL giving teams that play a Thursday a Monday night or the next week. So. It's kind of like a mini-bye week as yep. you talk about the extra prep, but they're doing that more and more we see throughout that, the uh, are, seasons.
6: That, that They are.
9: Bengals' linebacker Vontaze Burfitt kicked Steelers fullback Roosevelt Knicks yesterday. and In the nuts! Pittsburgh star running back wasn't happy after the game. Le'Veon Bell tweeting about it saying, quote, Man, dude gotta go, man. That's not football at all. End quote. It was put like to Johnny balls.
6: I mean, it really was put yeah, to balls. So I mean, you want to get
9: right You're down. To it. There's history though. Remember Burfecht knocked LeVeon out of the twenty fifteen season and then claimed that the Bengals were trying to hurt him. we call it nut cutting
6: time. Yeah.
9: A lot of nut drops we've got here are for the uh for nut cutting time, yeah, I yeah. guess. Crunching time. Yeah. <laughs> there we go. There's another one. But uh Vontez Berfecht and the Steelers. That's a tradition unlike any other. Doug, I got an idea quickly. Yes, go um,
5: ahead.
9: Instead of hot seat, um, why don't we take nominations for coaches on the cold seat? Coaches that aren't going to lose their jobs. Okay. So, like, today yep. on the cold seat is Steve Kerr. How about that? Any, any thoughts of adding that to the press, maybe?
6: No, no nobody cares about coaches. I'm sorry. Sorry. <laughs> nobody nobody cares about average and Who's about guys keeping their job. Yeah. Who's I over- do love college fans are like, hey, fire him. Like, Clay Travis is so bent out of shape at Butch Jones getting fired at Tennessee. <laughs> like, hey, dude, he's going to get fired at the end of the year. Like, what is really accomplished by firing him right now? Why are you so? I mean, Clay lives in Tennessee, but he went to Vanderbilt. I don't know. He's really fired up about Butch Jones getting there. How about How about double birds from Tennessee against Alabama From the guy Saturday? who didn't even score the touchdown. <laughs> it's over, Johnny. Uh, here's what I said. Tennessee, you know, most schools you say, hey, act like you've been there before, but Tennessee hadn't scored in 10 quarters. Right. So they can't act like they've been there before. Right. All right. Uh, right. Oddly enough,
9: Nick Saban on the cold seat. The Browns announced that left tackle. Joe Thomas is going to miss the rest of the season because of a torn tricep. Right, so yesterday. they haven't
6: won a game. Their starting quarterback apparently was out drinking, he was a rookie, out drinking the night before their game, which he was going to start. And Joe Thomas, the one, one player that everybody likes and respects, is out for the year with a torn triceps. I'm going to go, this is, look, this may be, I'm going to get some challenge for it. This might be worst Brown season ever. Yay!
9: Yeah, there, there was supposed to be some growth, which means that you thought you had expectations. and It could be a tumor. Yeah, it, right now it is not. Growth, yeah. uh, Cowboys running back Ezekiel Elliott is going to play next week against the Redskins. NFL tried to get a hearing, but that was denied by a judge to, you know, six-game band on hold. But, Doug. Good friend uh, kicker Dan Bailey going to miss several weeks because of a groin injury.
6: Yeah, so they had a safety kicking yesterday, right? Yeah, Jeff Heath was that. And uh, and uh, one of the kickers they're bringing in is uh, Young Way Young, Young Young Koo. Koo, who got cut by the Chargers. Here's what I've been told about about kickers, and all these guys are obviously retreads. You're more likely to be successful your second and third team than you are in your first. I wouldn't be surprised if Young Way Koo ends up getting that job.
9: Also, I cheer for Dan Bailey because he was such a great guest for us at Cowboys training camp. Yeah, he's great. And I also uh, I mean, cheer for uh, Orlando Skandrick to get burned all the time.
6: Because <laughs> he was a complete. Because <laughs> he was a DB. Right. And by DB, I do not mean defensive back. I, oh. I mean, Dan,
5: how uncomfortable was it being there for that? Oh, <laughs> witnessing that. I mean, I know obviously for you, Doug, being a part of the interview, but just having to stand there and watch it all happen was like, oh my yeah. gosh, what's going on?
9: Yeah, Doug. Ugh. Doug tried his best. I, did I, I mean, bad. he did. So did Ooh, Jay Cut- So did Jay Cutler yesterday, but was knocked out with cracked ribs. Now, not likely going to play Thursday against uh. Baltimore. Matt Moore expected to get this start to start Week Eight.
6: And uh, Matt Moore, he could end up getting. Um, what's the uh, Wally Pipps? Wally Pipped. He could he could Wally Pipp him.
9: How? Right? Couldn't he? How? Like realistically they came back from a two touchdown deficit crazy ending to end up winning the game but the fact is now you're like did we really even need to bring in cutler remember matt moore okay was the quarterback at the end of last year Did, and did all right. And did, did all right
6: uh yeah. i mean like look he was he was gase's guy he was on the street it wasn't a ton of money it's like five plus five million in incentives i i actually thought it made a lot of sense oh no Oh, yes. Uh, and, like, what are you going to do? Like, Matt Moore wasn't going anywhere, and he's there, and now he gets the shot. Do you want more? Yes. Oh,
9: I just meant Matt Moore. But, uh, no, we got more. Warriors <laughs> guard Steph Curry <laughs> fined fifty grand for throwing his mouth guard in the direction of a referee during Saturday's loss to the Grizzlies. Yeah.
6: Now, the big question is, when he got the mouth guard back, did he wash it off before he put it back in his mouth? And something we need to find out is, does he mold his own mouth guard? Details soon to come.
9: Got to wait for the hot water just for a little bit, but still you can't wait too right, long to because you got story. Get uh, to
6: mold it. Uh, Suns
9: guard Eric Bledsoe sent home by the team after a meeting today. Phoenix engaging in trade talks for the point guard, according to ESPN. The
6: best part was uh, Ryan McDonough, their general manager, laid out what Eric Bledsoe said, where he said he was the tweet that he sent out, uh, I don't want to be here anymore, was because he was at a beauty salon. And Ryan McDonough's like, yeah, we talked about it, and we don't believe him. So he's not going to be with us anymore. He's going to be traded. Hey, get
9: out there and press. That was the press.
6: I mean, like, listen, like, be honest to your therapist, be honest to your wife, and be honest to your boss. What's the point of therapy unless you're going to be honest? What's the point of being in a marriage unless you're going to be honest? And what's the point? I mean, you're, you're going to get fired if you're not honest with your boss. If he would have just said, like, yeah, in the moment I was mad, I sent out a tweet, my bad. He'd still be a son. Now? He'll be traded away uh, to Basketball Siberia. There you go. Don't lie to your boss ever. Lots of stuff you learned from me, I hope, on the Doug Gottlieb Show.
2: If you dare.
1: Zimo Zumo Play.